This is a production of Dirty Mo Media. Dirty Mo Media. for the Dale Jr. Download. This is a special final edition for the 2019 season. The season is over. What better way to start this show than to talk to our champion, Kyle Busch. Kyle, thank you. Absolutely, man. Appreciate you. I appreciate it, yeah. man. So, Where's Davis? I don't know where Davis is. It's just me. Lazy I know. It's just going to be better us better anyway. Too. It's all right. <laughs> You're in a great mood, man. And obviously, I was uh, before the race. For good reason. Were you? Yeah. Really? I was surprised because, you know, I think the one thing that I always, I never raced for a championship in the cup series but if i had to compare it to like the daytona 500 there's so much going on at pre-race and for me i just could not wait as soon as i got up in the morning it was like i don't care about none of this i want to get in the car put the winning net up right i want to get away from everybody <laughs> but you guys i talked to martin i talked to you and i listened to the other guys in pre-race and all you guys were in really a great mood yeah it wasn't bad i thought it was um good day to be alive good day to go <laughs> race for a championship you know i mean yeah um, obviously, you, you try to push out some of the outside noise and, and some of those things. And, you know, I have my, my pre-race meeting with Adam and things and kind of go through some of the plan and the idea and what and whatnot. But um, from there, you know, we come up and sat with you guys for a few minutes, cut up with you a little yeah. bit about being dressed too nice. And then, um, you know, just was able to, to then go back and go through intros and get back in the car, like you said. And, Dude, pit road is insane. There's just so many people right. everywhere. It's yeah. all over the place. I couldn't believe that. It was car. It was like uh, no room for anybody to walk even around the cars. I know. Yeah. And uh, that's why we don't even do photos out there anymore. Yeah. You just can't. You know, right. there's just so much stuff going on. There's a. There's a. It's almost difficult to move and and get to where you want to go, but at the same time, you're like, this is great for the sport, right? Because yeah. you know, the more people that are excited to be down here, the better. So, I, that was pretty cool. I heard that you want a boat. Yeah. For, for winning the heavy, do you know what kind of boat it is? Uh, it's a contender, 25 foot contender. That's pretty nice. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice boat. You like boats, right? Um, well, I I live on the lake, and um, I'm building a, a house down in the Bahamas. So, really? Yeah, I might need uh, might need a boat. Yeah, I got so, one. I know that's that. So I always, when I grew up, uh, you know, when guys would win races, they get boats, shotguns, maybe a blonde yep. or whatever. And they kind of stopped doing that. So it's kind of unique and fun when you get a fun. We talk about the trophy at Martinsville, but when you win a, a car or a boat, does that even make it cooler? It's got to make it cooler. It does. It makes it pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's when you win the race here. So like if somebody else would have won the race, but we would have won the they championship, the they would have got the boat. Oh, that's right. pretty good. So it's it's all about winning the race. <laughs> that's so. kind of messed up. The champion <laughs> ought to get a boat. The champion don't get the boat. The race winner gets the boat. Yeah. So I'm both. That's good. Well, I know you love statistics and breaking records. With this win now, you have put yourself solely in ninth place. You were tied with Rusty Wallace. Okay. Um, you know, how does that make you feel? Was your, do you even look at that as you're rising up the ranks? 
I mean, you got to do, you got, I, I would, I would probably catch myself looking at that statistic and looking at all the statistics as I'm rising up the ranks, because you are really setting some amazing goals that a lot of guys, we got a lot of guys in the sport today that are Hall of Famers, are going to be Hall of Famers, but you set yourself apart from them with the rate, with the wins you have in the Cup Series, Truck Series, Xfinity Series. Right. Do you look at those? Do you allow yourself to sort of look at that and go, man, that's pretty awesome? I don't sit there and look at it, no, because I get the opportunity of everybody else telling Tell me about, about it, it, you know, so uh, I, I don't. I don't pull it up. I guess I did years ago. So I did years ago because I was like, man, I'm behind. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm behind. I'm not winning enough. And I look at it and I'm like, I'm really behind, you know. But now it's 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 gone so well and, and I've won 50-something races right. now. And so the opportunity that, that, uh, that I get to enjoy with people bringing it up to me is, right. is all I need. Do you think about a number in the Cup Series that would make you happy? <laughs> Nothing makes me happy. Right. You know that. <laughs> You're never satisfied. Right. I'll just say that. Um, I would say a hundred would be pretty, pretty Ooh, damn cool. Man, that'll be. You're 34. Uh, you know, yeah. I was really surprised by that. Now, I, you know, I don't, I don't look at the, the ages of the drivers that often, but when set next to, when you're put next to Denny and and those guys, I mean, Harvick at 43. Right. You're 34. You, you're literally not even. I mean, hardly. I'm not mid 30s yet. No, it's possibly <laughs> to even say you're not even in your prime. Like. You know, these, yeah. I mean, they, the statistics say that 38, like 39 years old yeah. is a prime for a cup driver, man. Mm-hmm. You, there's so much more that you can, can accomplish. 100 is not out of the question. I hope not. I'd yeah. love, man, I'd, I'd give everything to, to be able to, to achieve that and, um, and, and also to achieve more championships. You know, people ask me, okay, well, what's the championship number that you want to look at? And to me, I don't know. Like when I first started, you know, the goal's, hell, I'm going I'm to get eight. You know, but now that you've been here for 12 years and or 13, 14, however many it's been, and I and I've won two, it's like ah, I better back off that a little bit. You know, and I'd five would be respectable, but I'd like to think that I can achieve more than that too. Yeah, you won an Xfinity Series championship and and some Cup championships, and and I know retirement is a long ways off, mm-hmm. especially from the Cup Series. Do you think about going back to the truck series and trying to win that championship there? I would still do it to today if they'd let me. Sure they would. Yeah. You might have to wait, though, to you, to, unless I they know. change the rules. They might change the rules. So I told NASCAR this one time. I says, look, if, if the truck series is ever going to go anywhere, which I hope it doesn't, right? But if it's ever going to, like, go away. They let you run the last year. To let me, <laughs> let me run the last year. Like, give me, like, or give anybody the right. opportunity to go out and run the last year that it's in existence. Well, let's talk about the race a little bit. Um, didn't see a lot of wrecks, no cautions, only one little caution for a half spin down there in turn one and two. Aside from the stage breaks, it was a relatively clean race. Even like if you saw the, the wall uh, Saturday night after the Xfinity race, yeah. it looked like they painted it black. Tonight, we only had a couple guys get into it, and really that was only two cars. But yeah. were you thinking at the end of that race, oh, man, I don't want to yell it to come out? Obviously, you were thinking that, but were you were – you, like any race that I was ever leading coming down the end, I'm freaking out that yeah. something's going to happen. Were yeah. you doing the same thing? I was, I was. I was thinking to myself, I'm like, all right, boys, like if, X, if Xfinity can do it, we can do it. <laughs> we don't need any more yellows. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that frustrating, too, when that, that yellow comes out and you're like, who did that? You know, I, it you is. <laughs> yeah, I think about it all yeah. the time. You know, I thought about it last week with Denny when he had an eight-second lead. I'm like, well, at least it wasn't me this time. Right. Man. So the yellow doesn't come out. Cross the, when you get to the white flag, are you kind of is that when you take a deep breath? I know you still got to complete that lap, but that's kind of the white flag was the one thing I always look for. I'm like, if I get to the white, it's over. I know yeah. that it's final. So when you got that white flag, where is that when the emotions came in? That's when the emotions came in. Yeah, for sure. Like, I, I, 
uh, when I heard 10 to go and I heard that I still had like a seven second lead or whatever it was, like I kind of started to feel a little bit and I'm like, no, 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 like you got to like shake it off, yeah. you know, and uh, you got to keep focus and keep working on what you got going on and, um, and hitting your marks and hitting your lines and not feeling anything crazy with the car going on. Yeah. And uh, when, once you took the white flag, for me, it was it was emotional. Like I had tears coming out of my eyes and, uh, and running down my cheek. And the first time I won it in 15, it only happened in three and four because Harvick was only like two seconds back on that one, you know. So I was like, don't screw it up, don't screw it up, you know. But this time I had a little bit more to uh, to kind of give up yeah. and uh, started thinking about it a little bit. So the earlier. immediate emotion was, was, uh, was tears. Yeah. Right? I thought I saw that, you know, when you were, so you're giving Brexton a ride around the racetrack. Was that something that was spur of the moment? He actually asked. Like so right I, there in the moment. Yeah, right yeah. there on the racetrack. How did you get it cleared right there? I, as, as soon as he asked me, I stood up and I, the NASCAR official was standing right there like, hey, let's go, let's go, let's go, you know, and I was like, hey, will, will they let Brexton get in the car? And so then he called it up and I was getting in and then they said yes, that, yeah. that he was allowed to do that. So I was really, really thankful for yeah. that because that was a, a special moment, man. Like. I saw, I saw, I think he got the idea from Keelan, Keelan. obviously, mm -hmm. with Kevin. And, um, you know, I think they kind of frowned upon that, but I, I think it's cool. I mean, they're not hurting anything in there. Hell, he only weighs 45 pounds. I would promise you from, from the booth and from people watching on TV, it's an yeah. amazing thing to see. And yeah. As, especially anyone who's a parent knows exactly what you're going through in that moment and how Brexton's going to always remember that. Mm -hmm. So, going I back, loved that for him. Because for sure. For me being a dad, I mean, he asked. And so to be able to give anything that you can possibly give for your kids. Yeah, how do you tell your kid no in that moment? Exactly, right? And <laughs> right. I, 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 didn't want, I wasn't going to say no because I was like, hell yeah, boy, let's go, you know? Yeah. Um, so it was cool. So go back to the emotions. You know, we, we you know, hardly ever see those type of emotions out of you. And, uh, you know, where does that come from? And, and I, you know, a lot of people said you were subdued, even measured, but it was more, uh, you, there was some, 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 not sadness, but the tears. I mean, how... How does that happen to Kyle Busch? <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I don't know, but it's I got, just, You got that sort of soft side in there somewhere. Come on, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> All anybody ever wants to see or know of me is, is Friday, Saturday, Sunday, yeah. right? And when I come into a racetrack for Friday, Saturday, Sunday each and every weekend, like, I have one thing that, that I focus on that I got to worry about, and that's me and my race team and going out there and being able to perform and being able to win the race. Like, yeah, the fans are great. I appreciate them and what they do for our sport and how they kind of come out and they pull for us and Rowdy Nation, Junior Nation, whatever. We, we know what they mean to us. But to me, like, this is my work. Like, this is what I focus on. And, and look, even at home, when I'm at home and I got to sacrifice time with my son or my wife or whatever, like, because of the work ethic that I have to put into what I do, whether it's the truck team, whether it's my cup team or whatnot, like, this is all I have. Yeah. This, this is what I do. So to, I think the emotion comes from... A, we did it. B, everything that we've just done and gone through and all that is, has been so worth it. And you just know that you've succeeded in that moment and you've been able to pay back all your team guys and all the people at Joe Gibbs Racing and Toyota and M&Ms and every, Interstate Batteries, everybody that works so hard and gives you everything that you have. And that to me is, is where the emotion sets in. Like when we win races, yeah, that's cool. You know, we win races, we can go on into next week. We lose races, we can go on into next week. But when you win a championship, man, that's, that's, that's pretty awesome. Was there was some of that emotion because of how you won this championship? And I think back to the first championship you won, the injury, the pain from that injury, being in the hospital thinking about your season and what's next for you, yeah. going through the rehab. People think about 
how you came back and won, but everything that happened even before that was hard, hard, hard work just to get healthy. Come back, win the race, get into the playoffs, win the championship, to win it normally, like the easier way, the normal way, the way everybody else wins championships, yeah. was there some satisfaction there? No question there's satisfaction there, for sure. Um, but to me, I always was going to, even if I never won another one, I was always going to live in my, my own that I was a champion. Like, yeah. I won that championship under all the rules and circumstances that were given to me. We, we won. Yeah. And uh, nobody was ever going to take that away from me. But to be able to come out here this time and, and to win a championship uh, again um, here at Homestead Miami Speedway and, and to give it everything that we had for the whole season long and for people to kind of write us off into the last third of the season because we weren't great. Um, booyah. Yeah, you they talk got, about They it. got wamboozled. Right. So <laughs> you, you talk about you weren't great. You were an underdog. Um, no, a little bit because all you guys were always kind of saying – I, I, there's no we favorite. Did, well, we knew, right? we knew you weren't the underdog. Yeah, right. People wanted to think you were because of the you know the lack of wins late in the season and and no right. wins in the playoffs. But everybody knows that any moment Kyle Busch can show up, right, and win any given race. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, we had the statistics and the numbers and the things that, that maybe the fans at home don't have. But did you did you feel that underdog role? Did you like kind of coming in under the radar and not not being not being the Denny that's trying for his first or or Truex trying to win his second after last year's second place finish to Joey? Or did you did you feel like maybe you were you, you got a you got an easier week out of that or was there any positives to kind of coming in as the as as maybe the fourth or third guy? Not in here. No. No. Couldn't I, let it happen. No. There there was still the there's still there's always the self pressure right. Um, but you got to know how to harness that and you got to know how to either work with it and not let it affect you and do the things that you're supposed to do and how you do it right um, on the racetrack and you know when I think back to the the beginning of the weekend we unloaded off the truck and we were sideways loose on entry just like we were last year and I'm like oh hell like this don't look good you know and then we get into the second run and we we fixed 80% of it and then we got into the next set of tires the third run and it was gone and I'm, I could rip it right off the wall down to the bottom and everything felt great and I'm like oh we got something now boys because we, we 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 couldn't fix the loose end the whole time we were here last year but then this year we did and I'm like okay we've been on the loose side we've been on the tight side so we're going to find the happy medium. How do you harness that focus? You, you know you mentioned um, the self-pressure and, and all those things. Uh, there's, a, there's only a few people in this world that can manage that and get to victory lane, not make a mistake, not stumble, not put themselves in a bad situation, even before the race begins, get psyched out, right? right. How, 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 you're, one of, you're one of the few that can do it in this sport, and in any sport, really, there's only a couple guys that have that mentality. Most people are going to falter. How do you do it? I don't know, really. I Years ago, I, w- I had some of those moments where you're, you're coming up for a finish and you've led and coming down to the end and you start getting nervous or you start feeling things and the guy behind you is catching you, so you, you, like you overslow or you overdo things, overthink things. And I think just over time and experience and, and going through some of those A, races, B, moments, and C, 2015, I think 2015 taught me a lot. Uh, about who I was and who I could be, and that helped a ton. One of the things that I thought was interesting is about how uh, against the rule package you were at the start of the season. Booyah. Right? And we thought, we thought, I'm we talking thought, about the guys in the booth. Everybody always thinks. I know. We thought <laughs> that 
that that was psychologically an issue, but you've overcome it. You won a championship in this season. So how did how did you come to terms or come to peace or embrace what was happening around you? How did you how do you embrace the I, package that you weren't so such a fan of at the start? I could say so many things right now. <laughs> Man, I'm gonna harness You're that. You're gonna harness that? <laughs> yeah. Uh, to me, it was just um, knowing how frustrating it was. Uh, in times and in moments, even here tonight, you know, when a guy would come down in front of you into the corner and you yeah. blow up two, three lanes, you know, I mean, that's just what this, what it lends and, and you just have to know what to expect. But we came to a cool racetrack tonight where you could race out of that guy's wake and you can move around. And when you have a car that can move around, that helps everything. And, you know, so I thought that just, you know, Looking forward to Homestead Miami Speedway and knowing what it presented for a championship runner that A, you had to be there, you had to be eligible to race for a championship, and so I knew that that was obviously always the goal. Um, but once we got here, I was like, we, we can still do it, we yeah. can still win this thing, somebody's gonna get paid to win. <laughs> My dad always said that when we went to the racetrack. He goes, somebody's gonna get paid to win, it might as well be us. Yeah. All right, well, how do you celebrate? How do you celebrate this? You, some people would go and party in Miami when they win championships. I figured you're probably past that. Are you going to go home and take it easy, enjoy Thanksgiving? What's the plans? Um, man, I don't know. It's, uh, tonight, uh, we're going to finish up a few more things that we got to finish up here. And then uh, I'm going to head home and, and take the family home and everything like that. And then I got to go to New York. You have New York stuff to do, obviously. Really? And, and whatnot. So first, when's that start? Tomorrow night, you got to oh fly my. out and go to New York. How many days is that? Uh, two days. Two days? Yeah. So uh, I'm going to try to talk Samantha into going with me yeah. and uh, take her up there, have some fun, just kind of hang out. And and um, then when we get back to town, and, and we've got a week off yeah. this year between I Thanksgiving. Right. So that kind of helps. Maybe that next weekend uh, we'll get the team together. And How we'll, do the Bushes celebrate Thanksgiving? And we'll go do something. Uh, typically it's at our house. Yeah, so we invite yeah. everybody over. Mom and Dad come over, and um, we actually have some fa close family friends of ours that all that come over that, that they don't have kids or, or they're newly married or whatever it might be, and uh, Kurt comes over, and so it's, it's, it's good. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, the banquet, it's moving from Vegas. I know you're a hometown yeah, that's Vegas a guy. It's a bummer for <laughs> you, I'm sure. Bummer. But you've celebrated in Vegas. Are you excited to celebrate it in Nashville? I am, yeah. It's going to be cool. I got a chance to uh, celebrate a championship in my hometown, Vegas, in 15, and would have loved to have been able to do that again. Obviously, Vegas is a huge uh, party town and, and have a good time, but so is Nashville. <laughs> yeah. Nashville's... Uh, it's like the East Coast of Vegas. <laughs> it is, yeah, a little bit. No, ah, the casinos, Nash man, Vegas, the casinos. Yeah. Uh, so Nash, Vegas, we're going. And uh, I got a few, I've, I've come up with a couple friends this year of, of country music stars, and so maybe I can talk one of them into coming performing for us for a night and having a good time. That'll be awesome. I'll be there. I won't miss it. Thanks for showing Absolutely. up, man. I, I, know I you might send you an invite. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. I will. I'll find a way into that party. I, uh, <laughs> I know you got a long night, and uh, you're going to go over here and take pictures with that amazing trophy that you won. Yep. Congratulations on your championship. You. I'm proud of you and happy for you. Um, Enjoy it, man. Just let it soak in. It, you're not having any trouble doing that. So enjoy your night. And I appreciate it. We'll see you soon. Thank you, man. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Cool. Awesome shoes. I saw them this appreciate morning. appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks. Hell yeah. Dale, can I have you give me a level, please? One, two, three, four, five. Hey, hey, hey. Hi. Hi. Woo, woo, woo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey. That's, that's, the, that's his mic check. You know, the promos is what a lot of people remember. Okay. Hello there. Oh, damn, there he is. I'm back. Oh, pretty cool. I set my 
clothes on fire one time with a torch. I set the torch on fire. Oh. Ain't you got that friend that's got that toothbrush that's wore the hell out? Yeah. Let me shoot that thing a few times. Okay, shoot. Pow, pow, pow. Gotta love the Mike Davidson. The internet is a marketplace of morons. <laughs> which makes this uh, ironical. Crazy bone. Ooh, crazy yeah. bone? Them bone boys, man. They're crazy. I'm such a rapper. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, you so know, I was really excited about buying, getting this order of underwear. Oh, it's so oh. small. <laughs> talking underwear with another man just seems weird. Look deep into Mike Davis's eyes mm. and tell him about your underwear. They're, they're freaking awesome, man. It was a rocket ship. Yeah. Oh, that's cute. Mike has really big feet. That's stating the obvious. Oh, it's so cute. Remarkable feet. And uh, I had gerbils. Gerbils. We took her on Winnie the Pooh. His story is so dark and scary. This Pooh scaring her. Oh, quack, quack, quack. He was kind of cantankerous, right? Yeah. Quack, 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 quack. Boom. 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 I was in a fight. Break a lollipop. Dude. It's like a pillow fight. <laughs> throw a slice of cheese on a baby's face. This is American cheese. Good job, Liam. I'm not going to be the pizza police here. I'm <laughs> flipped like a pancake. Grow a pair. Okay. And lock that in. <laughs> Gee, yeah, Joe is hot. <laughs> Run it. What? Bloody Mary. That You do that really well. Again. No. Take it for a second lap. Do better. Everything's good. We're ready to go. That's just the gift that keeps on giving. You motorboating son of a bitch. <laughs> Man, I'm excited about this. Hey, everybody. It's Dale Jr. for the Dale Jr. Download. This is the last show of the season. Um, and those are some pretty awesome highlights. Pretty awesome things that brings back a lot of memories. This has been a really special year. And uh, we wanted to have one last show to sort of recap some of those favorite moments, I guess. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun kind of looking back. We... Uh, we started obviously with me as Mike Davis co-host. Hey, Mike. What's up? Uh, Matthew Dillner, Leah, and uh, the whole crew in here putting this together for everybody. We, um, you know, put a lot of work into this show. If you know anything about, you know, seeing the studio on the YouTube clips or watching the TV show on NBCSN, you know that we've remodeled the studio for this year, and uh, that a lot of effort went into that. That I think really catalyzed. You know, it was a catalyst for us to, uh, you know, sort of improve the show. The show, uh, for me, you know, when we started the Dale Jr. Download a long time ago, um, it was just a way to really kind of give some new content or a little bit of a behind-the-scenes look into what was going on with our racing. I was driving, uh, what happened that weekend, and uh, Mike, you, and many different co-hosts and so forth did a good job of sort of Giving the fans some something something interesting and new, um, but now it's a little you know it's kind of evolved over and over and over and it's re, revamped itself over and over. And this year we, you know, we've I think hit it out of the park. We had a lot of great guests, and that's been interesting. So let's talk about that. Me and you and Matthew started a note on our phone that we all share, and we just kept adding names to it, and. You literally know. adding names right. because we don't take we don't delete the old names we just add to it and now it's one big colossal note <laughs> yeah so if you can imagine in your head being a part of this note we have you know if you think of a great idea you add it the name goes on if we have that person on the guest we put a thumbs up next to it so that we know they've been on the show because <laughs> there's been you know we can't keep track of all that but um and we want them to come on again but you know that's the idea is that we're going to have these people back for uh, other visits, but we've got 
there's a lot of people on this list that we haven't been able to get to that we would love to have. I mean, and I see some of these names in the timeline as suggestions for people that we need to bring on. The list is pretty complex, right? Some of our best ones that, that we'll talk about were booked maybe the day before we taped right. or maybe two days before we taped. And I remembered that as I was going back through our season, how how these things came together. And I also think back to January when the four of us sat in the conference room and we said, listen, without knowing where people live or what they're doing, if we just had a wish list of people we wanted to bring in, who would they be? And we came up with this list and drew them up. And I'm like, is this even realistic? I mean, eventually right. you have to go, is this realistic? And we did that. But you know what? A lot of the ones I thought were not really realistic, like Stone Cold Steve Austin. That was somebody that Dale Jr. identified back in January. And it was uh, so random. And I'm like, how would we ever get Stone Cold Steve Austin out here? Yeah. And sure enough, we actually did a TV show with him, and we got it. That yeah, was part of the little, deal. Did a little trade. So, we, so, so I was really – how our show evolved was – we started off with a wish list, and then it, something happened during the year. People started to want to come on our show, and I don't know why, really. I don't. I, I'm, I'm flattered. I know you are, Mike. If you really want to think about that, that started middle of last year. Yeah, actually. yeah, you're right. Yeah, yep. um, for whatever reason, our show was kind of a place for some people to come and clean up a mess. If you're right, wanna, you know what I mean. If there was a misunderstanding. Maybe a driver did something wrong or, or, or wanted to right a wrong or wanted to clear up a misunderstanding. You know, they came on our show, and that was an opportunity to speak to a lot of fans that, and, and share their side. And a lot of that information, too, would get picked up by other outlets and shared as well. Right. And, and it was a lot of fun. I, 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 that was like a big, I don't you know, that was like a big compliment when guys were seeking us out. And that started at the end of last year. There's a lot of names, though, that are on this list that, I wish we could have gotten to this year. We just never could line up the uh, schedules. Mark right. Martin is near, if not at the top of my list to have on the show, but he doesn't live on the East Coast, and he doesn't fly over here and hardly spends any time in this area, so it's difficult to to get there. And it it's not something we want to take out of this room. You know, we've talked about doing live shows and having audiences and doing things at racetracks and so forth or somewhere else, but – it's hard. It's it's hard to imagine being able to capture what we can in this environment, in this room. This room's special. This table's special. As much hell as we got for it at the start <laughs> of the year, this table's got some magic in it. Yeah. You know, and and uh, but it, it's been a it's been a it's been a lot of fun, and we've reached out to some of the fans about sending you know sending in some of their favorite ideas and clips and uh, people that we guess what we had on the show, and and uh, we had a lot of great response from that. Um, we got a lot of, we got some clips to play. Oh yeah. You know, should be a lot of fun to sort of look back over the season and, and look back over the year. And I got a, I got a question for you is we're talking about these guys. What is it that you look for? What, you know, when you back in January identified people, there's so, it isn't just random people. Cause there's been people that most would want on their show that we have not taken because, uh, you know, for whatever reason, what is your criteria when you bring somebody to sit in this chair? What is it you're looking for? Well, the people that have been on the show, uh, for example, like Gary Ballou, I, his whole story for me was a big mystery. And mm-hmm. then we read, then we both read the book, and it filled in. Like I only knew about five percent of his history, and 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 that book was. I, I guess what I'm trying to say about that is, um, he's a, he was such a, a mystery, and 
going to jail and smuggling and racing, smuggling, racing, smuggling, racing. Like, how, how do you do Racing is a freaking full-time job. I don't care if it's regional or in the Cup Series. It takes everything you got. And he's dry, you know, he's smuggling weed and running a crazy drug operation while he's trying to race. And then he gets caught doing that, goes to jail, gets back into racing, wins big races, championships, and gets back into smuggling. What in the hell? I was dying to talk to that you know man about that, and uh, luckily he was comfortable enough to talk about it to us. Because I'm going to tell you something. The only thing I've done in my life that was as exciting as racing is smuggling. You know, it's it, it comes. We a lot of times it comes down to. So sometimes you think about, all right, we're gonna have a, we're gonna have uh, Tony Stewart on the show. I know a lot of people are gonna listen. I don't know what Tony's gonna say. Tony's always great, and he's a fan favorite. So a lot of people are gonna tune into that, right? Um, having my memo in on here was a lot of fun for me, but I knew a lot of people would enjoy listening to that, right? So in in and with those guests, I'm thinking more about the audience and who how popular the show would be. But then there's those ones where I'm more more selfish, where it's about, you know, like Gary Ballou and you helped. uh, We got, you know, Tony Jr. and Pops on here. I know people would be excited to listen to them, but that was more for me. That's right. Amy. um, Mike Helton. That, that was, was more for, for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's Mark Marcus Smith. That was more. That that was more for me because you know I thought uh, if if you threw out all these names on this list, I bet a lot of fans might not have put Marcus near the top or even on the target, you know, on the radar. But I knew that his story was true and real and authentic, and uh, and he and there's stars in our sport that aren't on the racetrack, right? There's people in our in our sport that are critical and important that aren't out there driving cars. And it's fun to highlight those people, yeah. right? So that some of, some of those stories are maybe, I guess, fun to tell that people don't know about. Dave Marcus was great. Oh, so um, good. Trying, yes. you know, trying to get some of the older guys on here. We, you know, Ricky Rudd was amazing. Amazing. So, yeah, Harry Gant. It was great to have Harry on here. I'd heard that he was just when he walks in the room, it's like, man, he, he looks like he just retired. Right? Yeah. And Ron Horner. I mean, all our guests. I was real happy with that. And we have on this. When I look on this list, I mean, all I can the people that we didn't get on this show I, will will be awesome. We got some plans for 2020. Yeah. So, would you say Gary Ballou was your favorite? episode then what if, if we're going around talking about what our best guest yeah is he at the top of your list or was there others i i felt like that um his story was probably one of the most compelling stories during your first uh prison term uh you were sent to the federal uh, correctional institute in all places talladega alabama the cars were running. You were there that weekend. I was locked in a right. hole. You were in solitary. Solitary. While the race was going on. I could on. hear them. You could hear? That killed me. That, that, I, I could think and of some the of guards just, there had been at the races and, and knew who I was. Right. That's so, got to be some kind of torture. I mean, that, that, if I think about torture, that for you me. to read the first half of this book and know where you are, who your heart is, to hear the cars in a race that you had been in yeah. previously and you're... 
Who knew Talladega even had a federal correction facility? Yeah. I thought the I Talladega thought, infield jail, yeah, the, jail. the, yeah, the, no, the holding cell was the you only jail they You don't want to be that's, – that's a penitentiary. That's, that's, you don't want to go there. You don't want to go to Atlanta. You don't want to go to Lewis I don't want to go to all of them. Just you don't want to go clear. to none of them. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to go the, to any of them. Those are the real deal. Yeah. But take, yeah. Us, take us inside that cell that day because uh, what intrigues me – Gary, is the the beginning of your book, something that really resonated with me is how you're a child and you're on top of your roof listening to race cars. Yeah. And you you, you get this passion. You develop this passion. You want to be inside. You want to be there. So you get there, and seven years after you raced at that Talladega race, you're on a floor (laughs) of a cell hearing those race cars wanting to be inside there again. Can you can you walk me through what was going through your mind oh, that day? It's a, it's a mindset. I mean, it's just you have to put it aside to survive because you you got to survive. You can't just lay down and die because you have that fire in you that that no quit. You're done. You 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 know they're dragging you out, dragging you around, and then they dragged me to Lewisburg Penitentiary. And I remember getting there and I looked at it and the guard tires and the walls. And I said, "What have I really done to deserve this?" And I thought about it. I said, I know what I've done. I, I, I'm paying for my, my crime. And- when we got done with that interview, I was, um, you know, I had had time to think about it since then. There was a lot of stuff that I missed. Uh, there was a lot of, um, so when there was a particular point in his story where um, he knows he's caught and he knows that. Uh, I think he he got caught the first time, right? And he goes, they take him to jail. He pays his bail. He gets out. He sit, he sits there. He knows the magnitude of the situation, and he's thinking he's facing who knows how long, right, in jail. And he goes to his house in Florida after he re- pays his bail, gets in his Corvette. He has his Corvette in his driveway, and he pulls out of his driveway, and he's driving down his driveway, which dead ends in, in a harbor, and he get, he's running that Corvette 150 mile an hour down this road. It's about a two mile straight road into this harbor. And he is going to drive that vet right off into the water. Like he's going to take his own life. And um, I didn't learn about that till after the fact. But I wish, I, you know, it's just a, there's a lot of things that you, I wish I could have asked him about that uh, particular point in his life and what made him not want you know change his mind slam on the brakes yeah. bring the car to right. a stop and decide to try to put his life back together or whatever you know um the fact you know the fact that he went to jail a second time it's like okay i could understand i can't understand it but i could see that happening had okay gets out he's out of jail and he's floundering and can't figure out how to make any money or or get a job and decided to go back into smuggling that that made more sense than putting his life entirely back together, getting mm. back in a race car, winning all pro series championship and big, big mm. short track races mm. and going back to smuggling. Why? And I remember you asking him that, like, okay, you did, you made the mistake yeah. first. Why? Why do it again? Why did you do it again? Yeah. I, and, and that was a question. I wasn't sure if either you or me would be so bold to ask him, but you by yeah. God did. And I think being a father, just trying to trying to understand w- why he made the decisions he made in his life being a father, right? Yeah. As a father, he made these choices, mm. uh, you know, very selfish choices. That's just, 
I just had questions. I don't know how, I don't know what the right, I don't know how else to uh, describe it, but that was, uh, I was glad we were able to do that. I felt like that when we were talking about that initially as having him a guest, you were, you were a little bit unsure about it. Oh, completely unsure. Yeah. Well, I'd never heard of him. Like, I mean, yeah. Matthew is well ingrained into that, uh, that whole scene, but, uh, and, and you were familiar with it, but you had said, let's read the book. Matthew had acquired the book for us. Three of them, right? And then, um, and and you said, "Look, let's read the book, and then we'll make a decision." And I'm, you know, getting into the book. I tell you what, the book is so much of a racing book. I learned more yeah. about racers and how they approach, you know, their cars than I did anything. But uh, it was pretty clear when you start the book that okay, he's worth the interview. Uh, yeah. he, he's worth bringing in if he's willing to come in and talk. But we said, and you remember this, Matthew? We're not bringing him here and not talking about uh, smuggling. Yeah. Like exactly. if he thinks he's going to come here and talk about you know, where he finished at Hialeah Speedway, you know, back in 1972. Great, but that, no, no, we got to talk about the smuggling yep. and him going to prison and what came out of that. Well, it's funny because as our shows evolved, the confidence in this, in our interviews, I think, has improved, and we wouldn't even have debated that. If, we're have, if we were going to have him on this week, we wouldn't even debate it. We'd just be like, he's coming in here, we're going to ask him whether he, you know, we're going to ask him. There's, we're not even going to sit here and, and build ourselves up and build right. our confidence up. We've got the confidence. But I think at the start of the year, we weren't quite sure of ourselves. Right, right. No, it's that's... funny, funny. Um, okay, so Gary Ballou, I think that— I want to know yours. My favorite? Yeah. Well, man. my favorite interview this year was Richard Childress. Yeah. Why? Richard Childress, first of all, I never had the opportunity to actually sit at a table with Richard Childress and have these conversations— but that also, I felt like that was one of the first ones. Well, it wasn't the first one, but it did not feel like an interview. That was the one that felt like an absolute conversation amongst people. And it also was a theme that I detected pretty early on, and it certainly with Richard. And that was that, uh, and, it, and it became true with Steve Park and with Michael Waltrip and, and uh, others, and that there were still people processing the loss of Dale Earnhardt, right? And it occurred to me, this may be just my opinion, but it occurred to me that the reason they're still trying to process and not having more success, you know, some, what, 18 years later, is it seemed like there were conversations that should have been had that had not been had, and now they were happening at this table. That's what I felt. I think about Michael Waltrip. I think about Steve Park. I mean, the moment, Dale, with you and Steve Park, where you said to Steve, um, you know, we're not blood brothers, but as soon as that happened, you were as close to me as family as anybody could be. I will say this. Um, if, if, if Steve doesn't win that race, uh, I don't know that – I don't know how DEI would have uh, done going forward. Mm. Uh, I don't know that we can quantify – how much that one win, that one single win, if you look at all the companies in the sport and the history of NASCAR and you think about, well, with this company, what's the biggest win for that company? What's the one win that, that mattered the most? I think you would have to put that one near, if not at the top of the list for DEI, because had that not happened, I don't think that we would have had any of the success that we had going forward. Because we were, as Steve said, I mean, we were really unsure on how to proceed. Yeah, and if we go to that race, I crash on the first lap. I don't know where Michael ran, uh, and if Steve doesn't win, 
what's the morale? What's that, that, that all carries over. And so for him to go out there and win that race gave everybody a bit of some relief. And, and the, the thing about it, when you lose somebody like that, the world keeps going. Rockingham was coming Sunday, whether we were going to be there or not. And so we had to make that decision to go. He goes up there and wins, wins the race. (laughs) And it just kind of kept pushing that boat along, you know, kept pushing the barge down the stream. And, and we, we really, really needed that. And so that's what I remember from that day. I remember us wearing the three hats sitting on, I remember, you know, I had a bad day, but I, the one thing that I enjoyed the most is that me and you and Michael sat on the wall right before the start of the race on pit road. And the, we're not blood brothers, Mm -hmm. but in that moment I felt, I felt like we were all as family as family could be. And we were there and we were together and we were going to, we didn't, we had nothing but each other. And y'all were laughing. There's a picture. I remember seeing it and it's, you guys are smiling and laughing. It looks like Michael's sort of cutting up. I don't know what y'all were talking about. Probably something Michael said. (laughs) (laughs) But it looked like that you guys were healing in that very moment. Yeah. And that picture really encapsulates that. Yeah. I think like Junior said, said it the best. I mean, you know, when, when you, when you're in that situation, you got to realize, you know, we're we're DEI, we're a high-profile team. At that point, we weren't letting any outsiders in, so all we had was really ourselves mm-hmm. um, to to grieve, to mourn, uh, to to think of how we were going to make ourselves and our team and our, and our people better. We had a lot of employees, and the and the, and the greatest thing I ever heard was that. Um, Somebody said this is the beginning of the healing, not only for the race team, but for the race fans. Yeah. You know, we, we might have had 100 employees, um, but there's 100,000 race fans. And that one moment was the beginning of the healing of DEI because at first when we, you know, we sat at that table, uh, the high level, you know, people and brass and drivers and. We just didn't know what we were going to do. We didn't know how to react. We didn't know what, you know, what we needed to do. So uh, winning that race was definitely the beginning of the healing uh, where we learned as a team that we can still move forward and we can still uh, continue to grow and win races, uh, even in the absence of our, of our leader. I mean, that, that, that moment right there was uh, profound. Obviously, Michael Waltrip, go, you know, uh, his stuff. But I, I just – Mike Helton, even. You know, you talked about what you wanted Mike Helton. Why did you want Mike Helton? It was to ask him about his relationship with his dad, was it not? Or your dad, was it not? I mean, you wanted to know things. Yeah. You know, the when we do this show, I think we have a responsibility to NASCAR and to the sport to um, create health and – and boost our stars and boost the sport and, and create interest, right? And I think we do that. There were a lot of guests on the show this year that, you know, they were strictly here to tell Dale stories, right? That's right. Um, and that's our prerogative, right? That's right. And uh, there was, that's, in, and it's a bit selfish, but there was an opportunity this year to do some closure and some healing or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, we had several guests that were strict. That were that that was what they provided, and they provided some great insight into 
those relationships and those experiences. Um, but for me, you know, we would have a guest on like that. It would be amazing. It would be great. I would enjoy the conversation, whether we were going to make it a podcast or not. Right. And then we'd be done, and I would think in my mind, all right, you know, that was nice. That was great for me. Now, you know, let's bring in a current driver. Let's bring in, you know, somebody maybe not so connected, you know, to that Earnhardt legacy. And uh, so that it was that you you tried. I mean, because I could sit here and have just I, I honestly, I mean, if if I wasn't a broadcaster and I wasn't, I didn't feel any sort of responsibility to NASCAR in general, like the the global NASCAR sport. If I didn't have any responsibility to that, I would just have. We just sitting here and tell Dale and her stories right. every week, right? You know, and we'd have somebody come in here and say, you know, old hunting buddy, I don't know, whatever. You know, we just keep picking the picking through the file and and you know bring people in like Hank Parker Senior. He's probably got a million Dale and Hart stories. Um, not I, not because of how many downloads it would generate, not because of that, but because it's I'm adding it's Hank sto- right now. It's it's a list. <laughs> It's, it's it's stories that you yourself are looking for uh, for your own information, for your own peace of mind, for your own joy, and and that's what that was the criteria of of the season. Now, one of the things, if I go back to, but I think what I, 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 I want to finish uh, one thing though, but it's I felt like that you know as selfish I was about that, like man, I want to hear some, you know, I want to talk to Richard and see what we can learn something new about Dad. You know, as soon as that would happen, I would think man we got to let's get some, let's get um tony stewart in here right or let's get you know bubba wallace in here and yeah that won't be a deep interview let's just get well, bubba let's, wallace in here let's, well let's get back let's veer back yeah. toward you know because present day yeah it, it's a yeah, i don't know what that is there's that that that's always kind of bothered me i guess is Look, this is this is Dale Earnhardt Jr. to a T. He's always worried about what other people are thinking, and they don't. You don't want to be accused of coming off as doing things for you. You want to be able to provide stuff for other people, and so you definitely were aware all season of the balance that we're offering uh, people. That there's a balance, and so if we went too old school, too too much during a month of whatever, and, and, and then we would try to come back around with some other ones. And I thought that the new guys also gave us a lot of good moments this year. There was, um, I say the new guys. I agree. The, the present and, day yeah, guys. that was another tough thing. So there's not a lot of – so there's a ton of history out there, right? When you look at current the, the crop of current drivers versus the entire history of the sport and all the content that you could create from that, right – it's so easy just to keep going back to the history history bucket because it's full, right? And and that was a tough balance for me. I felt like throughout the year is like, man, we've had a lot of history. We've had a lot of you know we've had a lot of guests guests from that have a historic right. historic t- story and and we got you know we got to get a current guy in here, get a current guy in here, get a current guy in here, and it was tough. It wasn't easy, and those guys are not easy to nail down. They're actually hard. The drivers harder. today, yeah, yeah, like are harder to get in this room. Right. Um, they're just so damn busy, and when they get home from a race, the first thing, the last thing they want to do is go somewhere on Monday morning and do an interview, right? We had a lot of good guests, though. Jimmy Johnson, Clint Boyer oh. was incredible. <laughs> and and he will have, in my mind, we're, it. our goal is to have Clint here every year, Yeah. right? Yeah. If not a couple, you know. Not a couple times a year, just so much animation and and he's uh, he's all over the place and we have we have this weird friendship um, that I I can't quite 
I have a hard time describing it, but we don't hang out. Right. We have. Yeah. We've had time. We drank. We used, you know, we drank in the past. He's come over to the house and we've had some all nighters and I've, you know, we've been out and about on, you know, when our, when our paths have crossed in the banquets or whatever. And, um, he's a great guy to hang out with and drink with, but we haven't, I don't go to his house. He don't call me up on a Wednesday and go, what's up, man? Let's have some beers. I wish we did. Uh, but we don't, but whenever we're hanging out, you know, we just sitting in this room talking, you know, there's, there's, it's a good, it's, it's a good relationship and a good friendship and he's so wide open. <laughs> yeah. too Wide yeah. open. Um, do, do you guys, uh, what were some other moments you guys had back in the booth, uh, that you want to talk about and give us, uh, some memories on? She's always wanted me to go first. Yeah, well, go first. Go first. Then. <laughs> <laughs> um, Baloo was my number one. That's the most predictable thing on earth. Uh, but you covered exactly why for me. Because uh, he's like such a deep story. But for me, it's surprising. I look through that list, and to me, it it was Bubba Wallace. Uh, Bubba's openness about depression was just something that struck me uh, very deep. And I thought it was, uh, I thought it was brave. Um, I thought it was transparent. Uh, there's a lot of people that struggle with battles, whether it's anxiety, depression, uh, you know, mental illness, whatever. And uh, the fact that he is a person on a platform and he chose to talk about it, to me, shows me maturity that a lot of people don't give him credit for. Um, and I went into that podcast not thinking. I, I thought it was going to be a question. Hey, man, you came out about depression. Um, and he'd talk about it. But I didn't think it was going to go as deep as it did. And um, I just remember editing the episode and listening to it. I probably listened to that episode, no joke, about two, three times. And um, knowing Bubba's for his, since he was a little kid, I was proud of him. And uh, and I think uh, that's an episode that just 100% stands out to me. Yep. That's a good one, I, I tell you. Yeah. I mean, Bubba had a lot of other things than just that depression, though, that he, that yeah. he brought. Oh, yeah. I mean, my goodness. Uh, his right, battle with the 88. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like reading all the social media comments, a lot of people really appreciate the history that we bring in and the stories that we tell. But for me, Mama was my favorite. Yeah, like right. that's something that you're gonna have forever. And yes. like her stories, like that just doesn't happen anymore. Her, you know, afraid to drive the car over the bridge, showing the race car. You know, how am I gonna get over this bridge? Like that, that doesn't. That personality, like, that's hard to find anymore. And driving Ralph's race car and wrecking it, like, those are just stories that were incredible and something special that you're going to have. Yeah. I was, um, I agree with that. Mamaws was great. Um, I was so, we got to tell this story about Teresa and my mom, Brenda, having <laughs> a little bit of, having some sort of confrontation, right, at, at Mamaws' house. Do you remember the first time? That um, do you, man, it might not have been the first time, but the, the the I guess mom and you were at your house. Y'all were on the front porch, and dad dri- dad drove up with Teresa. They had a little battle royale. They had a little wrestling match on the front porch. Oh wait, a second. I got. To <laughs> yeah, I've got to hear this. I, I Matt, really Martha, don't remember that. Martha, Kathy says somebody got smacked. Who got what? smacked, Kathy? Teresa got Teresa smacked. Got smacked. <laughs> <laughs> I'd heard that story, but I ain't never been. I'd heard rumors and little bits and pieces. Who's wait, wait, who, who's doing the smacking in the kitchen? All right, so they got inside the house. Oh my lord! Who, who Mama did the just smacking? Mama snapped. 
Martha, dig deep. You got to remember something about this. <laughs> Come on, we're, we're begging. Oh, I'm hanging on, on this on one. You. I really don't remember all that. <laughs> or, all right, so or maybe, be... maybe I'm just trying to forget it all. <laughs> yeah, right. I don't blame you on that. But there's still, we got questions. Kathy's version of events is that my, mom brought the kids to the house to to do a switch with dad. Right. <laughs> and dad and dad brought Teresa, thinking, hey man, that's no big deal. <laughs> And there was a physical altercation. Wow! Yeah. This is so good. Did, I hope Brenda won, didn't she? <laughs> Did she? Who won, Kathy? Brenda, Brenda won. won. <laughs> ding, ding. I don't doubt that. That's what I figured. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I'd heard about that a long time ago, but I wasn't sure if it was. I didn't know. I guess I had it wrong. You know, I thought they went, got in wrestling and pulling hair on the front porch. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the second time they uh, switched kids <laughs> off. All right. Well, that'll make a headline this yeah. week. <laughs> you know there's everybody there's variations of it and everybody's got their interpretation of what went down but it's fun to um you know it's fun to hear some of those i cannot get enough of what it was like when ralph was around when he was alive and what the household was like and what being around him might have been like and um you know, I've, I've I've tried to push to get my uncle Danny on the show or get put put an interview together uh, with Uncle Danny to hear maybe what he might have to say about his his childhood and uh, you know it's just um, yeah, Mama was great. So there was a lot of you know a lot of great interviews. John, I, you know, one of the things that was something I didn't expect throughout the year after each interview, a lot of these people I go to the racetrack and see them or I'm in contact with them all all the time, right? texting and so forth though uh one thing that was a constant every week and it would sort of carry on over the next couple of weeks after each show would be our guest would tell me how awesome the response was yeah to being on the show yeah all right and this isn't to pat our own back this is really actually to pat our listeners back um and but no i can get no better compliment on our show than to hear my boss, uh, my old boss, Rick Hendrick, or, you know, Jeffrey Earnhardt, uh, Tony Jr., all Clint, all the people that we had on this show would say, hey, I'm, I'm surprised by the good response. I got a lot of people telling me how much they enjoyed it. And I think that that was probably the best rating review we could get, right, right. is when the guest comes back and goes, hey, man, I not only had fun on the show, but... I'm also really digging how much people enjoyed seeing it and hearing it, right? The other side of that too is, is I think that's why people be that's why our guests become more and more interested in being on the show is because as they, you know, as as, as a potential guest watching, they go, "Hmm, I want to do that. That's fun." Uh and it's it's getting positive reviews and and I want to be, you know, I want to I want I'm trying to grow my brand or put myself in great situations like that. So so we're doing it right, I think. Richard Childress came up to me at that North Carolina uh, Sports Hall of Fame induction that you yeah. were in this year and uh, came up, and it was a couple weeks after we had had him on the show, and he said the exact same thing. He said, I have got more compliments about being on the show. And, man, I have just – I don't know. I have that, so much respect for Richard Childress that to hear that, I couldn't wait for you to get off the stage. It was two hours later, but I couldn't wait to tell you that. I know. That's the best thing that can happen – with this show is to get that kind of compliment from the guest. Yeah. That they're, they not only enjoyed being on the show, 
when they walk out of this room, they're like, because we've heard it. You know, we'll get up from the table as soon as the interview's over, and the guests will say it immediately. Hey, that was a pretty good time. That was pretty fun. Like they're almost surprised that it was they it exceeded their expectations, right? Yeah. And then they'll leave, and then over the next two or three weeks, you'll get a text from them. Man, I'm getting some great response from that show. <laughs> like they're again a little surprised, and I'm sure you hear it too, Matthew. You have contacts and and consistent com- communication with a lot of our guests, and I'm sure you're getting a lot of compliments too about it's, the. It's, that's cool. I mean, just think about it. You know, the five year old boy in me, uh, you know, would think it's really darn cool that. Two weeks afterwards, Dave Marcus is calling, or Harry, G- you know, or, or or Baloo is calling, and to tell you, hey, you guys did a great job, and I enjoyed being on the show, and hey, how you doing, you know, and uh, that's that's pretty darn cool. Yeah, I'm going to tell you guys something. It, it occurred to me last night. If you detect a theme from this year, and you've been talking about Bubba Wallace, you've been talking about Dale, you uh, Gary Baloo, um, you know, you talk about Mamalia, and and. There's a theme this year, and it's relationships. And a lot of conversations that have happened this year, you think about Bubba Wallace and his dad. You know, you think about Joe Gibbs talking about his son at this table, right? And wanted to say it, to talk about what the legacy of his son is. Talk about Ricky Rudd, who is saying that he went, what, 15, 16 years with this animosity to Dale Earnhardt. The relationship, and what did he say? He said it affected how he was, how he related to all the other drivers, right? Yeah. Remember that? Yep. Um, Michael Waltrip said, you know, one of the things that blew my mind is that after uh, 2001, February 2001, I figured Dale and Michael Waltrip had talked, you know, because they're teammates. (laughs) But Michael Waltrip said he shut down and shut out everybody, right? And, And went so far as to say that, it probably has affected, you know, the relationships, uh, you know, and the things that he's done. My point on this is that a lot of people have sat here and talked about the relationships, and I think that even in our relationships with them and that kind of thing, it all sort of surfaced and was the theme this year. And, uh, and you don't have to dig too far in any of the interviews to kind of see it. You know what I'm saying? All right, there is nobody out there that wants to lose their hair. That's right. Period, all right? Yeah. Facts are facts, and two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they are 35. Dang. The good news, though, with today's advances in science, Keeps, yeah, that's Keeps. Keeps. They offer proven treatments that can combat the symptoms of hair loss and keep your hair that you have at half the cost of your local pharmacy. All right. The key here is prevention. Keeps treatments really work. They are up to 86% effective at reducing and stopping further hair loss. Wow. If you're completely bald, shiny, no hair, this product ain't for you. But if you are losing a little up top or thinning, the sooner you start using Keeps, the more hair you'll save. So act fast. Many men even experience hair regrowth with Keeps treatments. Keeps has revolutionized the way men are treated for hair loss. Thanks to Keeps, You no longer have to go to the doctor's office for your hair loss prescription. You use their site and get hooked up with a doctor online. Then the hair loss medication gets delivered to your home. Checkout lines? Nope. Waiting rooms? Nah. Find out why Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors. And nearly 100,000 men trust Keeps for their hair loss prevention medication. So listen up. 
If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash Dale Jr. to receive your first month of treatment for free. Keeps, spelled K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Dale Jr. That's right. Keeps.com slash Dale Jr. Come on, man. Keep your hair. Keeps. Keeps. Great job. Keeps. 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 like a bird. Yeah. (laughs) Keeps. 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 What do you want to do next? Uh, Funniest Moments 2019. Let's go around the horns, uh, kick up the tempo here, and have some freaking fun. I've got a list. Beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, all right. So, um, Mike, you know, we had a lot of great funny moments. You heard it in the intro. We have a lot of fun on here. Yeah. Um, Funny moments, man. Uh, What are some of the ones that made us laugh the most? Uh, Mike, you got a list over there. Well, I had just, uh, you know, kind of meandered through some of the video moments that we put together this year yeah. and uh I, and and that jarred my memory i'd forgotten about all of them okay Here, <laughs> here's one dale jr just out of the blue no warning has anyone among the four of us at one time in their lives shit their pants <laughs> and that in right yeah. and you did a similar and that ended up being a 20-minute conversation i guess <laughs> yeah uh dale jr you also you know one of the funny moments of this year was you had already told us the story about peeing in Ricky Hendrick's closet. Yeah. But when Jimmy Johnson sat here <laughs> and you brought it up and Jimmy said, I didn't know if you were going to bring this up or not, but it was clearly in his mind. And that was a hilarious moment. Guy sewed me up and he's like, hey, don't go to sleep right away. And I was like, not a problem. I was like, we're going to go back and <laughs> start back drinking beer. So we went back to the house and I was like, he told me not to go to sleep, so I guess we got to sit up and drink some more beer. So we well, got right back to it. That would have been some good friends. advice on top of the no sleep is probably don't go get yeah. drunk again, right? Uh, but He left that part he out. He left that out? Yeah. yeah. I did end up pee- peeing in the closet that night. Oh, I didn't know if you were going to go yeah. there. Yeah, me. <laughs> I didn't know if you were going to go there. Oh, you remember this? I do. Yeah. How do you remember this? I was, I was passed out on the floor, and uh, I heard a commotion, and I looked up, <laughs> and uh, Dale was sleepwalking. And yeah. had the closet door open and thought it was the bathroom. Yeah, he told that you told this story recently, and you did say you slept walk. Yeah, I, I which just I, thought ne- he, I just so, thought that's something people say right before they pee in a closet. I never. There's right. a reason to justify. <laughs> well, that's it my only experience. As if that did it. Oh no. it, but I, I was like, he's not going to. I'm like, whoa, wait, Dale, <laughs> he's <Yeah>. wake up. <laughs> I know. So I woke up standing up peeing. It's, this is how it happened. I've never slept walk in my life, as far as I know, and. When I woke up, it was because somebody was saying, Hey, Dale, hey! And I woke up, and I'm like, Oh, no! <laughs> oh, no! Oh, yeah. But oh, like, yeah. <laughs> it was upstairs in this loft of the, over the garage, and it was empty, just carpet room, wasn't finished. But this is Ricky's house. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It wasn't his closet. It wasn't like a spare. It wasn't like a guest well, bedroom closet. Right. Of right. all the closets. It doesn't this make was, it okay. But this is right. the one to pee in. <laughs> <laughs> if there was, if there a, was closet, a closet to pee in, that's the yeah, one. That was the one. Well, good to know that when, even uh, when you're sleeping, you yeah. still know which closet is the best to pee yeah. in. And, I, and so now, anytime anybody pees in the corner of a room or something in the middle of the night because they're, some, they're somewhere they're not familiar with, it's not as funny anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So this is why we brought you here. This is, we wanted to see what your uh, recollection of this story was. And yeah, now I, we've I done remember it. that part. Yeah, yeah. that was yep. all good. Right? Yeah. All, right. all right. Thank you, Jimmy. Have you, yeah. You. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought that uh, Joe Gibbs recalling the contract negotiation yes. uh, oh, yeah. was yeah. hysterical. Because, and, and, you know, you don't know if these guys – Joe Gibbs got a lot on his plate. 
But what was Does funny about that? And, one? and, and I said, "Well, I said, uh, uh, <laughs> do you remember?" And he goes, "Oh yeah, I remember it." You know, and then the fact that Dale Jr. basically wouldn't even look at the numbers and d- d- didn't even want. That. But then he went into damn pimento cheese. The, Talked the about pimento. pimento cheese, right? Yeah. That was hysterical. <laughs> um, uh, boy, you're talking about the pig on jack stands. Oh my gosh, that's on my list. Are you? Do you have any animals? Oh yeah! When you have kit, you'll see. Wait till your animal, your wife and your daughters—they're soon gonna gang up on you. You have this farm that you talk about. You think you have animals. You wait till they start rescuing. Is what? Oh happens. yeah, yeah, yeah. They'll start rescuing everything. You'll have cats. Was your cats wife are... always into rescuing? Animals, no, or is this not just until we have had a child. Oh, we got a farm. Got a barn. Yeah, you got. You got. Got stalls in the barn. Got to fill it. Huh. Got to put these animals in there. She got into pigs. Yes. Really? Oh, yeah. Let me give you a little Leah. bit of yeah. advice. Do not allow your wife to convince you that we ought to have pigs. How come? If you want one pig, have one pig. While I was gone, her and my old man thought it was a good idea that he needed a girlfriend. Oh, oh well, let yes. me tell Lady you. pigs are tough. Oh, up to, I, I think a litter of nine, or no, 13, nine or 13 or something, three times a year, Jack. What? Wow. <laughs> yes. oh, really? You enter the pig oh. business very fast, very fast. <laughs> well, I got out of the pig business very fast. I put a stop to that. The girlfriend was gone, <laughs> and he was out on Jack's stands, <laughs> <laughs> which is a smokered pit. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> It was hysterical, right? Um, Smoker. <laughs> you know, what, what, I loved Dave Marcus for so many reasons, but when Loretta Lynn interrupted our show. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, see, we forget about this. And, and we said, uh, Dave, Loretta Lynn, the country singer, do you know who she is? Yeah. Well, she's apparently in the lobby. I love her. Let's get her in here. <laughs> and then, the, you know, so, so I just thought those were some fun moments. Those, that was a, a little starter list for you because uh, times that we had that, uh, that I thought were pretty fun. I always enjoyed some of our ad reads. Oh, <laughs> you know, the, the, the ad reads for us, believe it or not, you know, like, I, you know, typically our fans probably think, you know, oh, ad read. Uh, you know, it's not part of the show. I want to hear the show. I want to hear what you guys are going to talk about. But the ad reads are personal. We make them, we, we kind of personalize them, which I think is, is I, I don't dread reading them. I look forward to reading them and I, I look forward to sort of seeing how we're going to spin uh, <laughs> whatever it is that we're trying to sell. And, you know, we've learned a lot about these companies that have been supporting our podcast. And we've actually, you know, the. I didn't think we were. I didn't know that we were going to be able to try a lot of the products. I mean, pretty much everything that we that's came through here, we've had our hands in and and been able to get our hands on, and that makes the ad reads even more enjoyable. Um, but the, for me, uh, the, the ad reads are always a lot of fun. Trying to mess with Mike is fun. <laughs> oh but, come on, you never did that, did yeah. you? <laughs> Our um, Matthew's uh, audio files at the start of the show that kickstart the show. Um, are always usually really hilarious. Probably all you know, every time that he puts one of them together, we get a good snicker. Um, and all of the John Force interviews. Yes, I mean it was just. How have we gone this far? I know that's what John I have Force. written down exactly. here. So John Force um, <laughs> came in here, and it was like a tornado. Yeah, <laughs> it's right. Unreal. But but in in the middle of it. 
What were we in the middle of? <laughs> Jeez. Okay, more coffee. I'm losing it. How have you have you always had this much energy? Huh? Your whole life? Have Did you, you always... say virginity? No. No. No, I, I, said, I, lost, you... I lost my virginity a long time ago. I can't I can't hear either. I'm have... going deaf. Right. And he's talking about Pornhub <laughs> and just seeing Elvis. Yeah. I, you know, yeah, what was the Elvis the, the Elvis story? Where you got that clip. And so I became an Elvis fan, and I've always had a room in my house that's dedicated to Elvis. And so I wanted to know more about your fandom for Elvis and leaving tickets. Was he, had he been, uh, had he passed away? Or are you leaving the tickets after he passed away, thinking that he was still alive? I saw Elvis at a thousand foot at Memphis when I was on fire. <laughs> and let me tell you something. I crawled out on my hands and knees. I thought I was dead. Yeah. And I remember I was praying to God, like, let me stand. Let me get up out of this thing. I'll go back to church. I'll quit. I'll finish the Bible. That was 40 years ago. And I crawled out of there. And, and, and I stood up. My TV guy said, what did you see? But my brain snapped right out of that fear mode, just like you guys do. And I went, I saw Elvis at a thousand foot, and they made a book out of it. And I never got a penny from that. Somebody wrote a book. I saw Elvis at a thousand feet. But you just grow up with people that you love. love yeah. I was never a Beatles fan, even though, you know, I love some of their songs. You know, uh, Gideon's Bible, everything religious I read. Did you I go in my see- hotel room at night and fall out. Yeah. Did you ever see Elvis play? No, never did. Of all the two people, I well, three people I want to meet one day. Seriously, okay, I want to meet your daddy again. I want to meet Elvis and Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Three good ones right there. (laughs) Somebody try to beat that list. (laughs) So you uh, you joined Twitter about what a year ago. I don't know. Like, yeah, but people do it. Sarah does it for me. Yeah. And she tried to clean it up. My kids do it for me all the time because I'm not good at that. Yeah. You know? Uh, people always ask. Part of the worst thing ever happened to me is I discovered Pornhub. <laughs> and, I, and, and I talk about an addiction. I got to get rid of it. I got to get rid of it. <laughs> okay, sorry. I'm sorry. You can cut that. Uh, no. Nah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh my at, goodness! At my age, people always <laughs> ask me. People always ask me all the time, like, "What would your dad think about Twitter and uh, uh, Instagram or or computer?" I think I just learned my answer. <laughs> my, my, I'm standing behind my race car trailer, and I see these five bo- boxes, and one's got a woodpecker in it, another one's got something. and I said, well, "What the hell is that on the back of my trailer?" And they said, well, that's all the, whatever they're called. Social media yeah, yeah, stuff. Yeah, Social yeah, yeah. media Twitter, that's yeah. on your phone. I said, <laughs> well, how do you? And then, do you remember this? The interview finally ended. We start doing the rest of our show. And then he comes barging back in yeah. and throws a $100 bill on the table. <laughs> for sure. What was that for? He, he wanted to go buy stuff in the gift, the gift store. Oh. For his grandkids. And they wouldn't take his money. Ah. And so he came and put that $100 in here. Yeah. Where'd that hundred dollars go? Many, Anybody know? How many times? Somebody, Dustin's raising his hand. <laughs> how many times were we in that interview and you'd ask him about something? He'd be like, bah, 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 and he'd go off at like some tangent. Then he'd be like, "What was the question? Wait, what? What was the question?" Oh yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. classic, John. Yeah. Like, I loved him when when I uh, I piped in with something. He's like, "Hey, this is me and Dell Jr.'s show here." This is, <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, you're right." Uh, but uh, he was he was a trip, man. Oh that was, God, that guy. That was force on next level, like. Yeah. I obviously was around him for a very long time, was, and it was like that was ten times what I, what I've ever seen. It was 
I enjoyed when we brought uh, Latard in here for the, yeah. the film, oh, yeah. film review of yeah. Days of Thunder. That was a nice little change of pace to bring in someone just for a few moments to do something, just a little bullet. That Plus, we fun. did a great yeah. service to his life. Yes, we did. <laughs> yeah. Tony Stewart was hilarious. Yeah, that was one of my favorite moments, he's, actually. He's always honest. You know, playing those uh, Tony Stewart sound bites with Tony Stewart at the table yeah. was fun. And getting his reaction to them was hysterical because he still feels very much the way he felt when he was given these, you know, uh, you know, audio gold. We put a poll on our social media handle in honor of Tony Stewart being on the download. We want to know what your favorite smoke soundbite is, and they voted below. Um, <laughs> racing, passing, definition, got 9% votes. Talladega figure eight, got 27. This one's for the fans, got 10%. The Legato rant, got 54%. Oh, the Legato rant oh, yeah. with uh, Steve Burns. Mm. Uh, yeah. It's, it's got to be classic. the classic, right? I mean, that's just the gift that keeps on giving you on have, YouTube. <laughs> do, you have some, do you have some samples of those to the fans? Oh, yeah. Listening? I mean, of course. The racing definition one, we'll roll that one first. Is, is there anything that NASCAR or the IMS can do to create a little bit more passing uh, in these races? Because since 04, there just hasn't really been a lot of passing. Look up racing in the dictionary and tell me what racing says in the dictionary. And then look up passing in the dictionary and tell me what passing is. We're racing here. So I, that's all I'm going to say. This is racing, not if you want to see passing, we can we can go out on four sixty five and we can pass all you want. <laughs> <laughs> Good yeah. one. Good and one. Then of course, um Mike Massaro, I think you wrecked at Daytona and, and this happened. How much does this affect your chances of winning the five hundred? I, I don't know, rocket scientist. I mean I'm sitting here with a backup car. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> if we wrecked if, what, what chances do you think we have now, dumb <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> And then uh, this oh one was God. after the second Brickyard win. I remember uh, standing next to you for this one. I thought this was cool. All right, you win again at the Brickyard. Tony, can you put this one in comparison to the last one? This one's for every one of those fans in the stands that pull for me every week and take all the bull from everybody else. <laughs> and, uh, hey, he can we work can play these all day right long, there. but that Talladega one, this is uh, Tony always gave us crap. Mike Arning's going to have a heart attack oh, right now listening this. to this because this like literally puts him back in therapy. He has to go to therapy for <laughs> Well, he's in this. He was in the Talladega oh, yeah. one. He was in the background, and he was like keeping that straight face. Sorry we couldn't crash more cars today. We didn't fill the quota for today for uh, Talladega and NASCAR. If we haven't crashed at least 50% of the field by the end of the race, we need to extend the race till we at least crash 50% of the cars. <laughs> Because it's it's not fair to these fans for them to not see any more wrecks than that and more tore up cars. I mean, we we still had over half the cars running at the end, and that's uh, it shouldn't be that way. I don't think any of the wrecks were an overheating issue. That's why I say I don't. I mean, I think we ought to just tape them off solid and run them until they blow up anyway. I think it'd make it a lot more exciting for the fans if we don't crash half of the field by the end of the race. They need to. They really need to extend it because, I mean, that's what that's what the fans want. They want to see that excitement. It would have been a lot more fun if I could have got caught up in one more wreck. If I could have done that, it would have been perfect. I mean, I think if we could make it a figure eight, it'd be perfect. It would absolutely be perfect here. It'd be better than what we got. So that's that's going to be my vote next week is that we get it, make it a figure eight and or we can go stop at the halfway, make a break and turn around, and go backwards the rest of the way. And then with 10 to go, we'll split the field in half and half of them can go the regular direction and half of them can go backwards. Oh, my God. Uh, see, NASCAR's made the adjustments. We crashed all but three cars yesterday. <laughs> the formula's your advice. The, the, the best one so far in the, the whole thing. <laughs> We're all crying here. Well, Tony, what angered you at the end of the race? What did you take issue with? What the hell do you think I was mad about? Dumb little s- 
bitch runs us clear down to the infield. He wants to bitch about everybody else, and he's the one that drives like a little bitch. I'm going to bust his ass. Thanks, Tony. Thank you. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. Tony. You know what that just reminded me of? It reminds that reminded me of AJ Foyt at Nazareth talking about Jeff Andretti. It oh, sounds almost that. it almost sounds to a T identical to AJ Foyt. Yeah. I was so mad at Joey. I is it, is that is that I was your... more mad at my own crew guys that were from uh, oh, yeah. I'm trying to remember which team it was. Danica's team or Ryan's team. But I had Joey hemmed up and I knew I knew where my guys were. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm way far away. They can't get to me. I didn't even think about my other teams and one of them were about three spots away from where I had Joey hemmed up. I'm like, I got his ass now. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to dot his eye across his T. We're going to, we got this. And about that time, the big fuel guy grabs me by the collar and pulls me back. Like I'm a rag doll. And got, his got or yours? Mine. Uh, Your his, guy. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. And I, I couldn't whip my own guy. Like, <laughs> no, no. Hey, that, hey that. not because not on a principle. I mean, it's sure you could try on a principle, but this guy was there. I couldn't whip him. Yeah, There's no the, way the, he, he had he had me covered eight ways from Sunday on that. <laughs> is that is that your uh, Jack Hewitt moment? You think? I mean, Jack's got the the you know when you look back now. Yeah, run that soundbite. No, <laughs> run that soundbite here. <laughs> yeah, that that probably is my uh, that's the closest thing to my Jack Hewitt moment was there. Yeah. I, I was just so mad about it because it's like, daggone it, just. Mm-hmm. I don't think we can top those sound bites, man. <laughs> oh, I, 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 there, there are way more. There are way more. Yeah. I mean, there, like, there is the, the, an encyclopedia. The, the meat, of, oh, geez, yeah. and we, and we like thank that. you. I know that. No, I'm, I don't, right? Yeah. Yes, like, you're it, a national hero. Absolutely, for this. <laughs> a treasure. I'm telling you. Don't confuse bravery with <laughs> stupidity. No, no, all right. David Hobbs, when he was talking about, so in the 1983 Daytona 500, uh, I remember watching that race on TV. And they had an in-car camera in Kale's car, <laughs> and Kale wins the race. He goes on and drives the, in, you know, runs a great race, wins the race. And during the entire race, you could hear him. You could hear like a guy in there going, ah! <laughs> and you could hear it. And I remember that. I mean, we could pull it up on YouTube right freaking now, and you would be able to hear it uh, when they go to the in-car of Kale. <laughs> and David Hobbs came in here. And told the story of them thinking that they were getting some bad feedback or something. Uh, there was some sort of short or something in 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 their audio in that in that in car camera, but it ended up being Kale <laughs> mimicking the sound of the motor as he's driving around the racetrack. When we really got serious about it, a couple of years later, we had one in in Kale's car, and these guys in, all through practice, I said. We got this funny kind of um, feedback. We can't. We don't know what it is. You know, we looked at all the wiring and we looked at this and we looked at that and go out again. And God, it's still there. You know, what the hell is it? It's some sort of feedback. <laughs> it turned out that Kale, <laughs> when he's when he's driving. <laughs> Mimics the engine, so he's going. He's, <laughs> he, he's sitting there, there going, mm-hmm. <laughs> and these guys are looking all over the place for some sort of wiring <laughs> malfunction. Yes. And it's all the time. It's all the time. It's killing. <laughs> so this is this I believe couple. is like the 1983 or 84 Daytona 500. Yeah, and like, if you, he won the race, right? Then he, that, and if you listen to the broadcast, you can hear it. You can hear Kale in there going. Well, there you go. And the first year, they just didn't know what the hell it was. I don't think that anybody 
to this day, I mean, I don't know that I don't know that I've ever heard that story told publicly. Like, like Dillner, you're a, you're a historian, and you've ne- just, never heard time. that Kale Yarbrough. <laughs> Carol Yarbrough mimicked the engine entirely. <laughs> Causing the producers all kinds of Imagine chaos. Imagine his whole career. I wonder what he did on the short tracks. That's hysterical. What did, he, what did he do for the brakes? Right, right. <laughs> what did he do for the crashes? <laughs> Pow! <laughs> Owie! <laughs> yeah, Owie, yeah. yeah. So the, the way this show sort of uncovers those secrets... Yeah. Um, and so now think about it. Now, Kelly Yarbrough was racing in the Daytona 500. He's in 1983, right? He's raced through the 60s and 70s into the 80s. Um, and he won the Daytona 500. In the, and who knows for how long was sitting in the car every race, every weekend, mimicking the sound of the motor like a kid. <laughs> Our television producer, Brian, goes back and he gets that footage and he comes back and tells us he's doing it the whole race. Absolutely. Even when he makes passes, he's like, you know, passing people. I mean, he's got, he, he's sitting there doing the sounds as he's making passes and everything. That our, now we had amazing guests and amazing conversations, but maybe one nugget like that would pop up every show where everybody would go, what? And that, I mean, freaking, that is a crazy thing. Yeah. When that happens in the show. And uh, that was the moment for me in, in that particular episode with Hobbs. I mean, he was, um, he was funny. Um, I, was, I was hoping we were going to get some of his impressions. He does a Jackie Stewart. Oh, it's cool. pretty freaking amazing. That's right. Um, but that, the fact that Kelly Yarbrough, I mean, he was one of my heroes, was yeah. a, <laughs> inside the car. It's crazy. It's crazy to think about that. That was that was great. All right, funny moments, you guys. Uh, what else do y'all have, and what has social media told us as well? But but you first, Leah. Go ahead. Well, social media, obviously, John Force Pornhub. That was number one across okay. everything. Uh, Del Jr. pooping on the side of the road, which you talked about. Oh yeah. Boyer <laughs> <laughs> Boy getting locked in Junior's basement. Oh, that's right. And my favorite, the hot dog condiment debate. Oh yeah, I forgot about that one ketchup still because of his shirt yeah, yeah. so yeah th- if i remember correctly he was wearing his hot dog with ketchup shirt on and, you and were... i just was like what is like what are you wearing yeah what and d- then it turned into this huge debate about ketchup or mustard on and a that hot was dog. after the show the, yeah. shirt, the yeah. shirt to be honest is a hot dog and mustard yeah high-fiving high-fiving yeah because, because they're pals like because they're, they're friends yeah they go together i disagree they hang yeah you disagreeing Still. is what led to this they, entire yeah, conversation. They right. go on vacations annually. <laughs> <laughs> Heart-shaped hot tubs. Hot tubs. What, is, what is that? <laughs> it's a hot, hot dog high-fiving a uh, bottle of mustard. <laughs> of yellow mustard. Yeah, they're pals. Any other questions about that? I know, because... <laughs> like, maybe why? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know they were high-fiving. <laughs> you did, you, because they're friends. Yeah. Hot dog and mustard are very close pals. What? Is this news? I'm going to break your heart again. I hate mustard. <laughs> oh. So you put ketchup on your hot dog? Yeah. But not mustard. No, and she doesn't I don't want put mustard office. on anything. That's crazy. It's no calories, you know. <laughs> ketchup does, Zero though. calories. Ketchup has calories. Mustard and hot dogs are like best friends. Ew. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh. Have, ugh. Ketchup? Uh-uh. Oh. I mean, I'll put ketchup on there, but not without mustard. Ketchup it, alone on a hot dog is, is yeah. freaking weird. That's for five-year-olds. No. 
It's weird, anyways. Yeah. This has been a condiment-heavy uh, show today, by the way, between <laughs> the mayonnaise and the shots and this mustard ketchup conversation. I think it needs uh, – hot dog needs mustard down one side, ketchup down the other, chili, and then dill relish. Ooh, you ever, put, you ever do the, the slaw? Do you like slaw with the chili, too? I, nope. Dill? No. I do. I'm there I do for not. the dill. I'll, I'll agree with you on the dill relish. You there for the dill? Yeah, yeah I like that. But with ketchup. Celery salt. A little pinch of celery salt. God dang, too, man. man. Where are you getting your hot Tell dogs that's from? That's like Chicago epic style, steakhouse man. or what? I mean, this is a freaking it's hot dog out of the damn backyard. That's how we do it at the grill outs, On man. At the Intimidators. I need a pinch of <laughs> celery <laughs> salt. <laughs> <laughs> Give you a little pinch. A little pinch there. And a little pinch there. And a little squirt of chili here, but the <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> it's a perfect. Uh... <laughs> Bam! <laughs> Salt Bay. <laughs> <laughs> it's beautiful. All right, so uh, I, I'd say clearly uh, it's the guy sitting across from you. Oh. It's Mike Davis because uh, your rants. I wish, like at the beginning of the year, we thought about having a whole rant thing for you, like a whole rant segment, but I know we, we do things naturally. We don't set up things and fake things. Uh, That's right. But we don't even have a pre-pro meeting. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be cool, though, if you did throw together like a short YouTube six minutes or something. Of, of my ranting. The, the internet is a marketplace of morons. Well, but but I, your I rant, your rant about the internet is a marketplace of morons was incredible, but your stories, too... Like the fact that you came on and talked about your California trip and you told oh. the story of the man in the park with a erection. Right. How was your trip? Oh, amazing. So you said it was the best trip ever. Yeah, I think it was uh, it was up there, and it was the best trip ever because I had low expectations on it. This was a, <laughs> this was something my wife wanted to do. Hold, hold on, I didn't hold go. on a second. Like okay. you go to national parks, but the best part of the trip happened to be the fact that he had a hell of a time with blowing out a tire and I did have stuck it, on the I did have road. A, I did have logistics problems. So it was it was like a uh, you know. Clark Griswold vacation. Say, Griswold it family vacation. Yeah. That was I haven't even told you guys the the craziest part of this trip. It wasn't the tire blowing out? No, no, no. And, I, and I'm That's trying to impressive. decide how I can even say this. But listen, we were in San Francisco, and we had a friend that took us around that day. And I got pictures, all right? So look, so we, we take my kids, my daughter, I got a 10 and a 7-year-old, take it to a park. Now, in San Francisco, they don't give a damn, all right? And there was this guy who was suntanning in the park with just like a thong on and a, and a toboggan. <laughs> Wait, a toboggan. A, thong, a toboggan on his head and a white thong. And my daughter <laughs> sees it. She's like, that man's in his underwear. And I'm like, hey, it's all good, whatever. All right, so how do I do this? <laughs> he developed an erection. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> First time erection's been so So I'm, listen, so, so he developed an erection. And everybody, he developed it. How yeah. close were y'all to this man? Do you want to see? No. <laughs> wait, wait. I got. <laughs> <laughs> I, listen, so I, I, listen. I'm, I'm photo bomb y'all's pictures. I'm videoing my daughter because she, she was doing these little things where she's like, "Okay, to, right now we're in San Francisco, we're at the park and stuff." And then, and she goes, and she's talking about this dog that's in the park, and she thinks the dog's cute. And then I catch this scene here with the guy, and I'm like, and I start laughing. And then Gracie <laughs> says, "She goes, that man has something sticking out of his underwear." <laughs> 
I got it on video. Oh, no. I would have put it on social, but I don't even know what's appropriate at that right. point. Yeah, that's probably not. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. like, no, you know. Good call. Especially if you think, like, he ain't talking to me and all this stuff, and now he's going to post these uh, inappropriate so things really on social media. It really is life-changing trip. Yeah. So, so my wife and, and her friend are laughing. They're like, go get in the car. Get the girls in the car. <laughs> get the girls in the car. It, it was funny. Run. It was hysterical. And we just So that was like. That was a moment of our vacation that, you know, our girls, you know, we, we, it was an experience. $50 yeah. that never makes the NBC I, show. I don't, I'll, Brian, I was, I was gonna, Brian, do you need that picture? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask about the rest of the trip, but I the, won't. The rest of the trip, listen. <laughs> Can I just tell y'all that just two weeks ago, somebody sent me on Twitter a picture of that same man in the same park, and he... Without an erection. Oh, so he's so, not a serial right. erector. But but he is still in that park. I mean, he, he's a regular there. They sent me a picture of him. They're like, weird, dude. Your, your, your buddy, still here. Old knit hat. Still getting it done. Still, same white thong. Same, same, same thong. Yep. Oh same thong and toboggan. Cap. Yep. <laughs> so in, in any, if anybody was wondering how he's doing, we got, we got updates. Married. There you go. He's still healthy. He's still alive. Well, I, you know, wh- one of the funny moments, not at the time, since you mentioned that, it wasn't funny for me at the time, but I, as I look back at it, it's pretty hysterical. Was our our fights and debates, <laughs> <laughs> and and in particular when um, y'all got me so wound up on purpose, <laughs> y'all <laughs> sobs. Remember when he called us Ren and Stimpy? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that and, was and, awesome. And, uh, and, and Leah doesn't have an original idea. Well, yes, that was yeah. what was popping into my mind. None of y'all's. I thought it was none of y'all's opinions matter, but it was that. <laughs> Leah never had yeah, I think it was all in the thought. same conversation, wasn't yeah, it? It, it was, was the one about Menard and um, oh, uh, yeah, Burton, yeah, yeah. Harrison Burton. It, yep. it, it Loudon, they got into a little whatever it was, and I thought it ended somewhat friendly. And then you guys just decided to pile on. But we it was pile funny. on you a lot between the miles yeah. per hour and the seconds. Oh, and yeah. Things. Oh, yeah we, the, we, we basically bully you. Uh, we, well, no, we, you we, bully. That's a good word. We, we no, coerce. That's a great, it's, there's not a perfect word. We, we coerce the internet and Twitter in particular. That's where y'all you. bully me. It's not on here. It's y'all, you then take it to social media, and then you get all your minions to pile on me. And that's uh, here comes that, that's what. No, I could rant about that. Frankly. I can't wait to see how many uh, tweets we get with just gifts of minions. Well, but that but it is. I, I mentioned that as in fun. That that was fun. And uh, so. Stimpy. Wait, and we even look like them. Remember, we Googled them. Who's the fat one? <sighs> look, I'm, you, you're not getting me in this one. Yeah. I, I, I'm <laughs> we How many times do you roll your eyes at me per show? When you say, when you talk about <laughs> your weight. <laughs> right, it makes it awkward. It's very awkward. <laughs> Ren's the chihuahua, so I'm Ren. Yeah. Hey, when it comes to meat, quality matters, but there's more to it than texture and taste. High-quality meat is important to me. I don't want to feed my family junk. I don't want that meat with all those hormones and fillers. Mm. Knowing I can get a high-quality, humanely-raised meat from ButcherBox means I can feed my family the right way. That's better for me and you. Better for the animal, better for the environment. Every month, ButcherBox ships a curated selection of high-quality meat right to your home. All meat is free of antibiotics and added hormones. Each box has 9 to 11 pounds of meat, enough for 24 individual meals. It's packed fresh and shipped frozen and vacuum sealed so it stays that way. I can customize my box or go with one of their packages. Either way, I get exactly what I want. Butcher Box is a no-brainer. 
it's the best meat shipped right to my door, which means one less trip to the grocery store. The options are plentiful. 100% grass-fed and finished beef, free-range organic chicken, heritage pork, and sugar nitrate-free bacon. Oh, yeah. And don't forget that wild-caught Alaskan salmon. Yeah. Oh, you did salmon. Yeah. Salmon. So, yeah, I, I mean, I, my favorite is I eat chicken and salmon on the road. All right? I yeah. eat chicken for lunch, salmon for dinner. Is that right? Yes. Wow. I am diligent. You are, yeah, disciplined. Uniform and disciplined. Yes, you are. <laughs> chicken for lunch, salmon for dinner. There's no red meat on the weekends. Now, when I'm at home, I eat what Amy cooks. Yeah. That might be ground beef, which I love. Yeah, I love everything she cooks, but she's all over the board. But it, on the weekends, chicken for lunch, salmon for dinner. Don't be messing with it. That's right. Well, all Butcher right. Box apparently to fix you right up. Right now, you can get two pounds of ground beef and two packs of bacon absolutely free, plus $20 off your first box. Just go to butcherbox.com slash Junior or use promo code Dale Jr. at checkout. That's butcherbox.com slash Junior or use promo code Dale Jr. at checkout. Here they come, Waltrip trying to slingshot. After all, it is the great American race. All right, 2020 is coming up, guys, and uh, y'all know how much I love the Daytona 500. I need a reason to be there, though, so I'm <laughs> gonna, you know, not driving in the race anymore. That's right. And I want to experience the Daytona 500 from any new vantage point that I can. That's right. Last year we drove the pace truck. That's right. Um, we gave the command. You've done that. So <laughs> I, I just need another job. <laughs> you need another job. Yeah. So I'm going to call Chip Wow. That's it. You'd be the one to call. Chip runs the place. That's right. So I'm going to call Chip and see if there's a job. Let's call him. Hello. Hey, Chip. It's Dale Jr. Hey, Dale Jr. What are you doing, buddy? Well, you called from a 256 number, so I wasn't sure what was going on. What are you doing? I am calling you from my burner phone. (laughs) (laughs) You've got to have one of those. (laughs) Hey, so um, the Daytona 500, right? Um, I want to come and and come see the race, and, you know, I just don't like to stand around. Last year, you let me drive a pace truck, which is fun, and – the year before that, you let me do the command, and that was a lot of fun, too. Um, and so I was kind of thinking, is there any jobs available for me so I could uh, have something to do while I'm there? You got anything left? Well, You got anything that's I not mean, been given away yet? Have you have you gave away the command? We, we haven't done the command yet, but we got a couple of good folks in the running. Oh, uh, damn. But I got a job <laughs> for you, but it's going to it's gonna require you to practice a little bit. Oh. Like what? Sing? Well, we're not there it yet. That, that like, could be 2021. I, I, me and Mike Davis talked. We're what sure, would we're I need sure to practice? For that yet. Yeah, I'm not singing. No, don't bring, don't, don't bring Mike Davis <laughs> into this. <laughs> so when we're talking when we're talking about jobs, I'm not talking about doing anything like the anthem. I'm not a singer. Um, so I, when you said practice, that was my first thought. Um, so what else would I need to practice for? All right. So you've done the command and you've driven a pace truck. 
one thing you haven't done is drop the green flag Ooh. on the uh, on on the field as they take the green for the sixty second running <laughs> of the Daytona five hundred. Oh, what do, you, what do you think? What do you call that person? Flag that is the honorary starter yes! position. I'm the honorary starter. All right, all right. Well, I'm going to send you a flag because I'm worried. Like the biggest thing you got to focus on yeah. is you can't drop the flag. Well, can I just <laughs> tie it to my wrist? You know, kind of like you. No, when you and get like, on a that's, a, that's a thing, man. Like people, like, every time people go up there, like, oh, I'm fine, and they get there and they're like, oh, oh, god, I, I'm going to drop it. You I'm, cannot drop the flag. I'm just going to tape it to my hand. No. <laughs> Come on. That's not nobody does that. Whatever. You gotta do, do it. I'm gonna do whatever I want to do. Mike. Oh man. Hey, you know what? Hey you Mike, he can do whatever he wants. Do, he don't pay to do his hand, that's fine. I'm gonna uh <laughs> yeah, I won't drop it. You know what? I was that little kid that would you know, the little there's always one at every racetrack in the grandstands that's standing below the flag stand. It has all the flags and he waves the same you know, he waves the flag. He flags the race right right there from the grandstands because he wants to grow up and be a be a flagman. I've uh, flagman, yeah, yeah. I've waved plenty of flags. I got some flags All around right, well, here. Th- I'm gonna get practice. This is a big deal, man. I this is some- a big deal. Like you got to be prepared. This isn't like I mean, well, I'm gonna be ready. I-, I knew you were gonna you were gonna crush the command, and you did. Yeah. Right, driving the pace truck, like that was awesome. But like you've made a lot of laps around this place. You yeah. never thrown the green flag. I can wave a flag. All right, you're gonna be surprised. All right. All right. Well, you hadn't let me down yet, and we're excited that you're going to be here <laughs> and be a part of the Daytona 500. It's going to be an awesome way to kick off the 2020 season. All right, man. I can't wait. All right, bud. Thank I'll you. See, thank you. We'll see you. All right, see you. Nice. You're going to wave the green flag, dude. Odd history. Ready for this one? Yeah. Fast football. That's the name of this odd history. Let's see why we we name it fast football. That's yours, Matthew. It's stupid, so and punny, so it's mine. Yes. So it must be. Mine. <laughs> it's so funny. Well, racing is wrapping up in the years here. It makes me think of football. Actually, um, you know, about halfway through the NFL season, or a little bit more than halfway through it. For me, it's all about the Redskins. Definitely not about the Dolphins. But this odd history, unfortunately, has a connection to the Miami team. All right. In 1998, NFL Hall of Famer Dan Marino co-owned a team. In the Cup Series with Bill Elliott. You remember that, Mike? I do remember it. And uh, it was Miami Dolphins colored. That's right. First Plus was the sponsor. That's right. And the number, 13, uh, which was Dan Marino's number in uh, his career. It was driven by uh, Jerry Nadeau, who was a very promising young fella coming on the schedule. Uh, Marino accomplished a lot in his football career, including nine Pro Bowl appearances. He did so in a traditional pocket passer role, mostly not known for his speed, but there was this one time that he was very fast. He strapped into a cup car during a test in late January at Talladega. Mm. This is back in 1998. I did not know this. Yes. All right. Uh, they wanted to give the Dolphins quarterback the real feel for NASCAR. Elliott put him behind the wheel of one of the team's cars, and the two of them headed onto the track together. What in the hell? I'll be damned if I'd do that. No. <laughs> say, hey, good luck. Right. Stay on the bank. With Elliott leading, they drafted around at about 145 miles an hour before returning to the pits. And then he went back on the track by himself, which is probably the smart thing. And he had a top speed of 165. Man, slow. Pretty slow. For, Pretty but damn. for a quarterback, Pretty damn slow. he's probably death gripping that thing. Well, it's obvious then, if, this, if that's true, he was not full throttle. 
which I'm a little disappointed, Dan. <laughs> he probably felt like he was doing a land speed record. Yeah. I mean, He's running around, they told he they, they should have told him what my dad told me when I went to Talladega. If you lift, the car's going to <laughs> blow explode <up>. into a <laughs> ball of fire. <laughs> that was another great moment. Yeah. yeah. If you lift off the gas, <laughs> the car is just going to fall apart. The motor can't take it. Yeah. That's right. Tires it's going to blow a piston. Tires are going to come off. Piston's going to burn up. <laughs> if you lift and, and, off oh, the gas, the windshield's coming right. out of the scene. But, but, not, but, not, but not telling him that it doesn't apply to the garage. Remember yeah. that? Yeah. He's, so he's going through the garage and trying to get... <laughs> I can't believe you fell for it. What, other th- what other absurds, absurd things could you tell somebody? Uh, about your car yeah. to get him to get him to go fast. Lift it off the gas. I, not, I, I don't know that the car is going to blow up. That's yeah. I, I, probably uh, top of the. That's what they should have told Dan. <laughs> Dan, don't lift. He was an NASCAR owner for just one year. Apparently, sponsor problems forced the team to close down. That's unfortunate. I remember. Um, I remember Jerry uh, qualifying really well at Sonoma in that car, and then missing the first turn. Remember that? No, oh, I don't over, Yeah, he missed like the, you know, up through turn one. Yeah, I think he ended up in the grass. Oh, man. But, uh, yeah, well, Jerry Nadeau. Yeah, that was an opportunity uh, that just didn't work out, but dang. <clears throat> I wonder if Nadeau would be a good guess, because, you know, he had a, a, a pretty abrupt end to his yeah, career. Absolutely. Had a very bad crash stuff, at yeah. uh, Richmond, wasn't it? Richmond. Just almost took his life. Yeah. All right. Good, no, good down note to end. <laughs> good job, good job of that, Mike. Way to serve that Sorry. up. Sorry, <laughs> way to serve that up. There, the, the, well, I mean, listen. Let's go to the big upbeat note of Dan yeah. Marino closing down his team after one year. But odd history has been a fun uh, thing. Thanks uh, to NASCAR man, he's kind of teed us up to those things. And for me, I can't find those things. I don't know how this guy does it half the time. And I love following him on Twitter. I know you do too. And when he sends over some options and this and that, I'm like a kid in a candy store, you know, on the weekend, like trying to find some details and, and sourcing articles. And it's, it's cool, man. Having that guy being a big fan of us. Oh, no, we're fans of him. NASCAR man. If you, if you aren't following NASCAR man on Twitter, you need to go follow him right now. All right. I'm trust me. The information that he is putting out there, it's odd history. It's real. It's good history. Not all of it's odd. It's great history. He puts a lot of clips, video clips. Every single day, uh, there's always some great stuff on there. He puts a lot of effort into what he does on Twitter. NASCAR, man. Go follow him now. And, uh, Dale, I want to know, actually, uh, out of the odd histories from this year. Can, uh, let's regroup, Mike. Is you're you mourning anyone? Any deaths? <laughs> to, to just to end on yeah. a bad note, yeah. let's, let's bring this back up. Anybody uh, no, deathly no, ill no, in your family? No, no. Um, so, uh, yeah, we had a lot of great odd histories on our uh, on our on our show this year. I thought it was a fun segment. We love the history as it is, and it's just a great way to. It's a sort of a cheap, cheaty way to get more history into the show. Um, but my favorite one and. It, my favorite one again. I go back to uh, the mystery, uh, just like with um, with uh, Gary Ballou and the mystery to his story. I go back to our odd history and and think about what unsolved, right? And it's L. W. Wright. Mm-hmm. Refresh my memory on this. right. So con man L. W. Wright. Uh, basically, this guy under the guise of L. W. L. W. Wright, you know, 
conned his way into driving a car at Talladega. Oh. And uh, I think he crashed in the race or something, and he uh, disappeared. And <clears throat> owing everybody thousands of dollars, right? He gets out of the car and gets in a car, drives out of the track and disappeared. And there's like no... Uh, what's that? Who's the guy that flew the plane and jumped out with the money and they never found him? I have no idea. Yeah. Cooper, D.B. Cooper. D.B. Cooper? This is the NASCAR version <laughs> of D.B. Cooper. It's true, man. <laughs> so D.B. Cooper you know, jumps on his plane and demands that you know he gets $200,000 or something or another, and uh, he gets the money and then goes and jumps out of the plane, right, and parachutes down. Uh, they don't know whether he survived that or not, right? Now they've found some money on the banks of of this river. I don't mean I don't know all the details, but anyhow, I'm intrigued because I don't even know the story. DB Cooper, you don't know the no, story. DB Cooper, I don't know either. Are you kidding? I'm going to be looking it up. At, are you kidding right me? <laughs> so DB Cooper, oh, uh, this happened in the seventies, right? So he gets on this plane and demands them to get some money. I think they they actually I don't know how they got the Wired money. They 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 landed it and got it. I don't remember exactly how they ended up getting he how he has the money and how they're airborne. I don't know, but. He's got $200,000 cash with, I guess that's all he wanted. Um, he jumps out of the back. It's one of those airplanes that the, the uh, back lowered down and, okay. the, and the steps where you, you walked into the back of the plane. So um, they lower that damn thing down while they're flying through the air, or, and he jumps out. Did he die? They don't know. He, he, uh, there's no sign of parachute or, or, or him or his clothes or anything, but they have found some money in uh, – in the bank of this creek in the area that they think he could have landed near. Uh, somebody discovered some folded or some bundled bills um, that they believe may have came from that money that he had. And there's no sign of him. And it's this damn That's mystery crazy. has been unsolved for decades. $200,000 right. he extorted. That's nuts. And that is what the L.W. Wright story, to me, almost mimics it. Whereas L.W. Wright... This guy coming in, claiming he actually put out press releases that he yeah. was going to have this awesome team, and he sponsors. was teaming up with T.G. Shepard yeah. or somebody, oh, right. and had sponsors. It was all bullshit. <laughs> and they went and tried to, you know, ask T.G. Shepard or whoever, and they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. So, but he ends up getting uh, twenty grand or something, and pays Sterling Marlin to drive that drive a car that Sterling owned, and uh, so Sterling's like, sure, man, no problem. So Sterling got some money. And they show up to the track. He blowed up the motor in practice. He's asking Sterling questions about the, the random sense. weird questions like, so do I drive on the banking or the uh, on the flat part? <laughs> um, you know, just shit like drivers should know. Sterling's like, dude, have you ever raced for? Yes, I'm a track champion. Where, where's um, the keyhole <laughs> to get in the door? Yeah, right. <laughs> where's, how do I start the motor? Um Yeah, and he's telling everybody he's this track. He's this champion from Nashville and and – won all these short track races that never happened. So now think about it. We don't have the, you know, back, even back then, I guess in the 70s or early 80s, whenever this happened, late 70s, early 80s, um, you know, we we didn't, people probably, Google. yeah, people probably didn't do the background checks on this guy. They're just like, oh, you got 20 grand? I'll take that. Hop in the car, no problem. He goes out there and, and wrecks the car in the race and then jumps in a rental car and leaves. Bye-bye. And apparently... L.W. Wright's not a real person. 
That's right. So nobody knows who this guy was, what his name was, and what he even, I guess, looked like. Right? That's no, a crazy spot. We don't have any. I don't. I've, we, I've we, seen pictures of his car. Pictures I've never of the seen car, it. no picture of him. Yeah. So. That's unreal. They never got a headshot of him or anything while he was there. Just weird. No, it's all uh, coming back. And he's to gone. And, and you look at all those odd stories. We mentioned one the other week with uh, Pop Urgle. You know, there was that riot with the fans, yeah. and he, the drivers were trapped in Asheville, uh, Asheville, Asheville Weaverville Weaver, Speedway, yeah. and he was swinging around a two-by-four to, to get everybody out of the pit area. Uh, J.D. Stacey. Well, hold on. And then it was verified by, was Richard verified Petty, by Richard Petty, who was in here talking about it. And then, uh, you know, uh, J.D. Stacy when they, they attempt, somebody attempted to kill him blow with him a up. bomb, blow him up, and, and, and then one that you didn't know about, which I love when we could stump Dale kind of because he's a history guy. But when Curtis Turner was uh, held up with some woman, uh, oh, that's partying, right. and the guy, the lady's husband, Mad husband, came home and was shooting at him. Yeah, and he had to elude that and get a <laughs> ride for, to, to the racetrack. That sort of stuff is just color tw- times eighty. Yeah, I mean, all the odd histories are pretty uh, amazing stories um, that NASCAR man sends us. His, yeah, I don't know how he finds all this stuff. Makes it up. Cool guy too. <laughs> Keep coming, bud. White flag, bud. White flag right there. White flag. Last white flag of the year. All right, guys, the race season in NASCAR may be over, but, Dale, there is a big race coming up in the short track world that we always talk about. It always piques your interest. That's right. If there's a short track race in America that should be on your bucket list to attend, it is the Snowball Derby at Five Flags Speedway in Pensacola, Florida. I've never been. I've always wanted to go. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Dad raced in it many, many years ago. Darrell Waltrip, David Pearson. I mean, the list goes on and on and the on. Best. We've had several guests on the show this week or this year. I'm sorry that have been in that race. Gary Blue. Oh yeah. Uh, Mark Martin. There's just so many people that have raced it's in huge. this race. It, it is huge. And uh, you know, obviously, the stories over its 52 years are incredible. Our friends yeah. at Speed 51 have some pretty cool stories from their years of covering it. Like Kyle Busch, he's a two-time Snowball Derby champion. And here's how he bested the top late model drivers in the country that year to win the 50th annual. I came back uh, for the 50th annual Snowball Derby, but uh, I was here in 2012. I was here in 2009, won the race in 2009, and was here in, uh, in 2002 as well, too, for my first start. That one was a little bit rougher than the rest of them have been, and uh, we're going to go down there and have some fun, so uh, that's why we're here. You know, it feels like, uh, like a cup victory, if you will, because... Um, these guys, they, they know these cars, they know these tracks, they know the adjustments you got to make, they know all that stuff, and we just come in one-off and, and come out here and try to do it and keep up with them. Yeah, our car was good in practice, uh, you know, even firing off and running those runs and, and mock qualifying runs, they were on stickers, we, we showed good speed relative to the field, but then when, when qualifying came around, the racetrack was just entirely different. Absolutely no question, Bubba Pollard was the guy to beat, you know, I kind of put him up on, the, up on the pedestal that he's the guy to beat, and then I thought that there was like you know, five or six of us that were literally going to fight for second through seventh. And um, that's kind of how I, how I saw the race playing out. When Bubba was out there leading in the nine and myself and the 12 of Harrison Burton, we were all kind of top four running pretty close to one another. You know, I thought, oh, well, I didn't know if Bubba was saving or what he was doing, but it seemed like we were actually kind of keeping up with him at that point in the race. And so, um, you know, I thought maybe we had a shot, but I wasn't counting it yet. I didn't think we had enough to beat him. Like, if we just had to straight out, like, go and race him right there at that point in the race, I didn't think we had enough to beat him. And I got this sense. I'm like, man, this thing's this thing feels green. It feels like it's going to go green the rest of the way. 
and I really just kind of zoned in, focused in on just trying to hit my marks and try to do everything right and everything perfect in order to catch back up to those guys. And I didn't think, I didn't think if, if I got there, if I was going to have enough to overcome and pass them. But uh, fortunately, man, when I got there, I could just slip right through. This one feels really, really special. Kyle Busch off of turn number four will win the Snowball Derby for the second time in his career. The first one was certainly really, really cool, and this is the golden anniversary, and this is the 50th Snowball Derby. And uh, there will not be another 50th winner out there, so uh, this one's obviously uh, uh, maybe a tick above the rest. Yeah, Kyle Busch, he loves that race. Um, I think a lot of the drivers realize how important and uh, historic it is. Some of the best drivers in America are filing their entries. Snowball Derby week begins Wednesday, December 4th, and culminates with the big 300-lap race on Sunday, December the 8th. So get a ticket, go camp out for the week. If you can't make it down to Florida, though, Speed51.com will have all the coverage on their site and live pay-per-view broadcasts. Mm. All right, so you can sit in your living room or man cave or whatever, enjoy the 52nd annual Snowball Derby. That's right. You you uh you use that speed51.com a lot. You're dang right. And uh, they, they do a great job, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to watch it, pay up uh, on speed51.com and watch it. Uh, since we're going to go a couple months and, uh, without you hearing from us, we're going to encourage you to do a couple things. One is follow us on social media because we'll be dropping some content uh, during the holiday season. Uh, it's always good to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. That's at Dirty Mo Media. Also, encourage you to, if you're looking for some holiday shopping ideas, you can pre-order the Dale Jr. Download Fantasy uh, Diecast car at ShopJuniorNation.com. You can buy the paperback edition of Racing to the Finish, uh, which has that additional chapter. It is at DaleJr.com slash book. Also, if you want to make a difference in some kids' lives, you can always make a donation as a gift. It's a great gift idea, actually, to the Dale Jr. Foundation. That's at the thedalejrfoundation.org or Nationwide Children's Hospital at nationwidechildrens.org. Uh, want to actually end this show uh, for us uh, giving some shout-outs and some credit because we don't have a credit reel at the, at the end of our show each week. So um, it gives us a chance to mention some names and some people behind the scenes. First of all, the Dirty Mo Media team. I think you guys are outstanding. Dustin Lee. Uh, James Brosan, Micah Caldwell, Matthew Dillner, Jason Schultz. I even want to remember him because uh, he's the producer on DBC, but he's also really helped us out on the Dell Jr. Download this year. So thank you to all the Dirty Mo Media team. The Dell Jr. brand team, lean on them a lot. Leah, you're part of that. Uh, also, uh, Kelly Earnhardt and Tony Mayhoff. Uh, and the NBC team, i got a list of names here I want to uh, definitely give a shout-out to. Sam Flood and Jeff Binky obviously are at the top of that chain. Uh, our TV producer Brian Goodwin has been fantastic, and I just tell you what, it, it, that is such a nice. Our show on NBC Sports Network is such a nice compliment to the podcast because of the archival footage and the stuff. You don't understand how much Brian goes to work as soon as we're done on t- taping on Monday. So Brian, thank you. Mark Trana uh, has also helped you out when uh, uh, when Brian goes on his like month long vacations. Uh, <laughs> kidding with him, of course. Uh, Kevin Dennis uh, and Justin Oppman, awesome camera guys. Also, there's a lot of TV staff on the uh, NBC show that we want to include. Robin Palmer, uh, Raymond Hondo, Blake Carpaniello, Sandy Shepard, Rachel DiBartolo, and Aaron Feldstein. Thank you to all of you guys uh, behind the scenes helping us get that TV show done. Uh, also, a big thanks to our team at Cadence 13, uh, all the great partners that they uh, secured, secured for us in 2019. As Dale Jr. mentioned earlier, these aren't just ad reads. We have a lot of fun with them, and we've developed relationships with them. So uh, Cadence 13 uh, has been a big help. And, Dale, that's it for me. 
You got anything else to add? Fans, man. We got to thank the fans that listen to this 100%. show. 100%. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I wanted that to be for Dale. Yeah. That's, what <laughs> that's why I didn't mention it. Yeah. I, um, yeah, you know, we've, when, uh, you know, when we used to do this show, we used to, inform, you know, we get the information about the downloads and, and, and the, get an idea about how many people are really paying attention to what we're doing. And, uh, I remember what our number was last year, and and I remember the numbers that got us excited. That's right. Right? And this year, those numbers would be extremely disappointing numbers. Yeah. Uh, and we are way, way higher. Uh, speaking of numbers, we are way higher uh, in numbers. So I am, you know... It, I'm, I don't know what we thought we were achieving or trying to achieve or what we set for as goals at the start of the year. We might have talked about that a little bit, but we have far exceeded anything that I ever thought we'd accomplish this year as far as viewership, people listening. I think, you know, I know you thought you thanked everybody, Mike, but there's the the work that went into the studio, the work that went into creating the space. This is a very fun space. It's great for our, you know, it's great for our guests when they come in here. They feel they feel like the space is comfortable. That's important. Uh, our production quality is amazing. That has went through the roof. The production quality on the podcast itself, uh, the stuff that Mike, uh, the stuff that Matthew puts together to bring the show together, is awesome. Uh, the production quality on our uh, TV show, uh, I get comments all the time, not only about how great the show is and the guest is, but also how great the view, the viewing of all the archive footage. A lot of effort goes into finding all these old pictures and, you know, our NBCSN guys are sitting in the studio while we're doing the podcast, sort of tagging as these stories are being told by our guests going, oh, I need to find that car right. or I need to find that clip. And there's a lot of effort that goes into tracking all that stuff down. Uh, it, it, and it's not, uh, not a lot of fun, right, to try to have to hustle uh, to get that all together within literally just 24 hours to be able to put the show yeah. on television. Not right? a lot of fun, not a lot of sleep. No. And, you know, so I, I, it just, we've been, you know, we've gotten a great response. We've got some great people that are really dedicated to our show. And I'm talking about, you know, the listeners as well. We have people that uh, just the compliments on our show are through the roof and we appreciate it. And, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for uh, the response that we got this year, what it's become. Love the fact that NBC's been so supportive to have us on NBCSN. And I'm loving the fact that they've even had the ideas to run the shows multiple times throughout the week throughout, at certain points in the season. Uh, they've moved us around and, uh, to see where uh, we can be more effective and um, utilized us in ways I never thought we would be used. So uh, it's been awesome. So just a great experience this year. Hope we can find a way to, uh, you know, we're going to keep a lot of things the same that are working really well for us, but I hope that we can continue to grow. I hope that we can continue to be interesting and fun, and I hope that our audience is excited about what we have coming down the pike and uh, enjoying the shows. So been a great time for me, man. I, try, I, I it's, it's been great to spend time with you, Mike. You know, do do something productive and and good for both of us. Uh, it's been great working with with Matthew and getting to know Leah, and just been a fun year. You know, we do this. You know, there's no the, the main reason why we get in this studio and 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 get together. It's extremely awkward and uncomfortable for me, 
But the reason why we get in the studio and get together and do this really is because we enjoy it, you know, when it comes down to it. That's right. You know, this is not a, and you don't have to use this if you want to, but this is not like some lucrative deal for anybody in this room. This is work and uh, it takes a lot of effort. Now it's not, I'm probably got the lightest load of anybody in the room, but um, we still got to come in here and show up and be ready and, and kick some ass. And we have, we've done that all year long. So it's, uh, we're here because we like it and we want to do it and we enjoy it. It's become bigger and better than I ever thought it would be, more important to me than I thought it would be. And uh, glad that it's also become something of value to NBC. 100%. Very happy about that. All right, that's the end of the show. That's the end of the season, unfortunately. Now, you know me. I'm going to continue to try to push for some sort of content throughout the off season that uh, maybe some teasers and some small stuff for our YouTube channel or something just to let you guys know that we're still here. Hope everybody has a wonderful December and a great Christmas and New Year. January should be a lot of fun. The racing season will be here before we know it, and I'm sure we're already going to be counting down to Daytona. Uh, so have fun. We'll see you soon. Check out Dirty Mo Media on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Dirty Mo.